for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. You know, we like that dramatic pause. Yeah. Wait for it. Here we are. know you want the <laughs> headlines from Cayman Marl Road brought to you by J. Michael. Fashion for everyone. Hey, Sandy. Happy Friday. Good morning, Blake and Aaron. Happy Friday. Yeah. So good to see you guys. All right, let's kick off the Spilling the Tea segment this morning. Um, Yesterday, we might have mentioned that there was an early morning accident, and the police confirmed that three individuals were injured after that collision, which Mm. took place um, between, it was a single vehicle between that vehicle and a concrete pole uh, on Frankstown Road. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Yes. So all three persons, one including a child, um, an infant, actually, um, a man, a woman, and an infant were transported to the Cayman Islands Hospital to be treated for their injuries. The woman and child remain in stable condition at the hospital um, whilst the man was discharged. So we're hoping that they all have um, a full recovery. It looks like the vehicle was just traveling southbound along Frank Sound Road, somehow left the roadway, colliding with the concrete post and a utility pole. Huh. Ouch. And yeah. so driving crazy with a baby in the car. Yeah, poor thing. Hopefully it was in a mm. car seat. I see way too many kids not in car seats here. That yeah. is true. Yep. And uh, we've been getting a lot of reports of COVID-19 re-emerging in schools. Uh, oh, yeah. It's in uh, Blake's house. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, my son brought it home from school. Oh, man. Uh, ten teachers in the BRAC, we understand, between two schools are actually out at the moment. Wow. And there are whispers afoot that they may have to go back to distance learning, like online learning. Because, you know, the Brock doesn't have that many teachers to begin with. Well, 10 um, out is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So we haven't heard anything from education ministry or department as yet. Um, they did issue, Clifton Hunter High School did issue some new guidance recently because they also have an increase in their COVID numbers. So mm. we're going to talk a little bit this morning during the show about what's spiking the numbers because I think I've got a theory about what's really going on. What's your theory? Really quickly, uh, people returning from holiday, the teachers themselves. Yeah, percent. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's a there's an easy way to fix that from the government perspective, especially. Hmm. You All can right. never take a holiday again. Um, Lock down the borders. <laughs> so um, remember, remember last week Thursday when we announced that Jamaica had a new paperless um, system mm-hmm. uh, for coming into their country for going into their country. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Took less than a week for somebody to hack into it. Oh, yeah, make this stuff up. Uh, So, not only did they hack into it, but they were actually charging people a fee to fill out a form that's actually free of cost. Hmm. Wow. Only in Jamaica. That's one of those things. You know, when they say, oh, that's that's only in Cayman, this is one of those things where you go, only Jamaica. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Kind of a funny story. All right. CUC is seeking qualified natural gas suppliers. They say that they are doing everything possible to reduce the cost of energy production. Oh, it's almost like solar panels and uh, wind turbines could uh, help here. And reduce carbon emissions. Um, You know, they've talked about why um, um, wind turbines actually don't work. They tried applying for it, and there's a very logical reason. But anyway, we don't have time to get into those details, but they have addressed it. But anyway, the National Energy Policy um, and the company's Integrated Resource Plan are committed to increasing the use of clean energy and reducing greenhouse gas emissions over the long term. So they've initiated this. If you're interested in supplying them with natural gas, well, give them a call. 
Don't we have a uh, your news headlines? Nine seconds. I'll see you guys. Monday. No, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> uh, I have something. To, I have something to show. Pretty big story well, to share you, with you. You, you gotta. You, you're gonna have to hold on to me. All right. I'll. Bigger, bigger, better, better, older, older. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo eighty nine point one FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from seven thirty a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you. Let me introduce myself. I am the cold heart. Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman, live, direct, it's the cold hard truth. Now, now, join the conversation on 345-936-2626. That number again is 345-936-2626. Obviously. All right. Hello, Blake. Talk about Annie Masterson. Yeah. So sure. check this out, Sandy. Yes. And uh, hello to uh, Bobo Land. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron went to a passport photo or mm-hmm. a, a photo company on island. Not yeah. going to name who they are. No. Okay. To get a couple of passport photos mm-hmm. taken yeah. for right. renewal. And when she got the passport photos back. I mean, they were all messed up. I didn't get all the photos I needed. And yeah. then. But hmm, that, the wasn't, the, that wasn't the weird no. part. The weird part is they photoshopped Aaron to try to make her look better. <laughs> and it, <laughs> but, it looked weird. Yes. It looked worse. A passport photo. They photoshopped it. Like they like. Like they made her I lips. Have, well, because I have a, I ran into the corner of a picnic table. I have a dimple and it's like dead in the side of my face. And so I can't like smile. And so my lip always kind of is just down a little bit more on this side from the nerve damage. Yeah, Aaron, and look at Aaron. She looks like she's had a stroke. That's what that's. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, anyway, but yeah, so so anyhow, they like fixed my lips and made them like really small. My yes. face somehow went like that. Yeah. It was very, very strange. Isn't that like. The, com- the photo place. Photoshopped yeah, so her. That's weird. Photo. I wonder if anyone else had that happen to them. And they know they're taking a passport photo and they photoshopped it. It was weird. I don't know if they accidentally did it, that's but really I've, never, I've never seen that ever. Yeah. I mean, that's I not mean, like a Kardashian thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. it didn't make you, me you look full, You have a full makeup crew. Yeah. Um, just yeah. to go take your driver's license photo. If you, were to, yeah. if you were to send that in and then you presented your passport and they looked at you to try to compare your face, they'd be like, that's not you. Yeah. No, I looked at it. I was like, because you got a dimple on your your lip uh, droop. Yeah, I could. <laughs> I sound like 
I might as well have a hump on my back. <laughs> I'm only kidding, Eric. That's, our time. Anyway. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty weird. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that you actually spoke to them about it. Oh, no, I went in. I was like, that's not my face. Like, it's been Photoshopped. And so right. went back to the original and they just redid it. But Sandy, have a, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. Have All a good right, day. Okay. All right. It's time. Oh, my gosh. The things that you hear. Good morning to everyone. I think some of you were confused just now. You're like, why are there two shows on? No, that was so Blake wanted to share a story with us. Um, although he was out of time for the, for the spill and tea segment on 106. So I think most of you know that um, before we're live in Bobo, we actually do a segment on 106. And, um, and now, um, mm -hmm. Okay. And so now um, we, we try to do it before the start time on radio, but occasionally Blake has something pressing that he wants to continue a conversation about. So that's what happened this morning. He wanted to share his passport story with us. I think he just likes being in Bobo, to be honest. Um, they need a show in Bobo. They want to be in Bobo. They need a show in Bobo. Tell them, come on over to the Bobo side, honey chill. Good morning to Miss Vernita. Happy Friday, by the way. Happy Friday to everyone. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Miss Irvlin is here. Hope that you're fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Keisha. Hey, Keisha. How you doing? Happy Friday. Miss Morna, good morning to you, darling. We've got Diamond Princess in the house. Steven, joining us in the UK, says, happy Friday, beautiful people. I love your little doggy, Steven. He's cute. Good morning to Miss Stephanie Brooks. So nice to see you. Miss Bonnie's here from East End. Wishing everyone a safe weekend. Miss Iva from Baden Town joining us. Felicia Rankin in the house. Hey, Felicia. First lady, how you doing? She says, good morning to you all. I'm so blessed to be alive today. God bless you all, Miss Sandy. Keep up the good work. Extra blessings for you. Love you. Thank you so much, darling. Appreciate it. Love you guys too. Boy, I was just listening to one message. <laughs> I might play it a bit later on. Charles was like, Sandy, you got to stop taking up for these cowards. They're always sending you messages talking about they want to remain anonymous. No, you got to force Caymanians to come out and speak up for themselves. I said, oh, geez, I'm peace. Charles, they're not ready for that. I understand what Charles is saying. I appreciate what Charles is saying, but I guess there's a reason why I sit here and take all the shots every single day because Lord Jesus, if I, um, if I really, um, if I really forced you guys, to speak, I mean, I can't force you to speak up, but you know, I encourage you to do so. And we're going to talk about, it's funny you should send me that voice note because I do have on the topic list today what happens when you do speak up. Sometimes good things come out of it as a result. So, um, yeah. All right. Miss Alba, buenos dias. Uh, Luana, so good to see you. Good morning. Everton is here. Liana says, good morning and happy Blessed Friday. Yay. Ja, Rover. Hello. How are you? Yeah, it's challenging um, 
for a lot of reasons, people are afraid in this country. Some of it is perceived, like there's a perception, and some of it is real. You know, there are people who will seek to um, retaliate against you because you're speaking up. People are afraid of everything here, though. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of, oh my gosh, all sorts of stuff. I ran into an interesting person yesterday. Hopefully he's listening to the show. Good morning, sir. And, um, you know, he was talking about how much he's enjoying the program. And he said, I got to be honest with you. You stole me from Radio Cayman. I don't listen to them anymore. Uh, he's like, you know, I really enjoy the cold, hard truth. And I like I like how you're... you're um, I like how you are uh, fair to everyone and everybody gets equal treatment, you know? Um, so it's one of those things I think for a long time, people were questioning the platform. Like it, it is a perception, I think, in your head, right? So say, for example, you're a Caymanian and a story comes up that makes Caymanians look bad. It's in your head that, oh my God, look at the times that Sandy makes Caymanians look bad. But if you were to look at it in its totality, like everything that we cover, there's a lady, her dog is dragging her down the street. If you look at it in its totality, like everything that we cover, some days we're blazing up Jamaicans, some days we're blazing up Caymanians. If Filipinos are doing wrong, we're going to blaze them up too. You know, it really doesn't matter to me who the parties are. And this is why I was saying a couple of days ago when we were talking about the lady with the cart. And I've been saying, oh, she's such a nice lady. I honestly don't care who she is. And I think it's great that um, a lot of times I don't know who people are. I think that's a saving grace for me. Um, you know, I didn't grow up here, so I must say that a lot of times connections that people might otherwise have, I don't necessarily have. But I think that that's actually a really good thing because when people say, oh, that's so-and-so's brother or sister, I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, I don't care who it is, right? I don't have any sort of like attachment to people in that sense. And so I equally don't have attachments to people based on nationality, like, I don't care if you're English, American, Filipino, Canadian, you know, we all have good and bad in every single grouping. And so I'm able to just as objectively as possible talk about these groupings. But, you know, for the longest time, Jamaicans were like, oh, you know, she hates on us and she's always this and that. And I'm like, really? Let me be quite honest, though. I can't help it if 99% let's say 95% of the news that we get out of Jamaica, because obviously we're not making up the news out of Jamaica, has a negative connotation to it. That That's, listen, we don't make that up. And anybody who says, oh, Sandy's only publishing the negative, I would invite you and um, uh, dare you to go to any of the major news websites in Jamaica, Jamaica Observer, Gleaner, Star, whoever, and you look at the stories and you tell me how statistically their coverage is any different than anybody else's coverage of Jamaica, including our own. So we don't make up the Jamaican news. We only report what's going on and what happens. 
So if you're not liking it because it's too negative, I think there are much bigger issues that we need to be addressing, just like we address here. Why is there so much crime? Yes, there are good things that are happening. And I'm not saying we have the highest crime rate by any stretch of the imagination, but every single day there are car accidents, somebody's stealing from somebody, somebody's, you know, there's always um, something afoot that um, really makes us look bad as a country. And at the same time, there's a lot of amazing and wonderful things that do happen. And I suppose at some level, those things don't always make the news even. Like you have to search and dig for a feel-good story sometimes, right? There's some days that I'm just like, oh my God, where's where's the good news? And there may not be any. You've got to make up your own good news, but that's the nature of news. And it's not something that I'm consciously sitting here thinking, well, hmm, let me see if I can find the worst news stories possible. We love a feel-good story. Believe you me. See, somebody just messaged me. My tools were stolen. We don't make this stuff up. We don't make up the, the thievery and stuff that is going on around the place. Um, morning, morning, Miss Perla. She says, I'm wondering when will Sandy give us a term test? I'm not ready. Laughing out loud. Morning, Robert. Miss Dorothy. Alejandro's in the house. Marshall's here. Richard. Celine are watching. Mr. Ransford is here. Um, what? Alejandro says, I want to know more about um, this spermless baby embryo that scientists cooked up the other day. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, good morning to Sarah Orrit, the beautiful Sarah Orrit. I love that picture of you. How are you? She says, love you, San San. Happy Friday, old heart. Thank you very much. And West Bears, boy, they love that term. Oh, all right. Remind me, David. Um, Miss Sonia, so good to see you. Caribbean sunshine. Hello, buenos dias. Strong Will says, good morning, Sandy. I'm at the top of my, uh, the class. Have a wonderful weekend. Yes. Get in the front of the classroom, honey child. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, Liana says, they cooked non-seasoned or clean meat. Who? Meat? What meat? Uh, Luis is here. Juanita is here. Alejandro. Uh, mm-hmm. Says, don't force us, though. Just some people talk foolishness and just imagine the person that called you and your guest. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. That seems like a bunch of idleness. But there are certain things that I do not tolerate. And I don't tolerate people calling me. Mm-hmm saying certain things, you know, because my number is so public. Sometimes I get really bizarre calls. Like there was a guy, um, it was so funny because I was actually in Miami when he called driving and he was saying that, Oh, I know him and he knows me and we've had some kind of a like relationship. And I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, I don't even know who you are. Um, I, I know who I've had relations with. Some of y'all might not know, but I know. So I'm like, what, what, who are you? What do you want? And, oh, you know, um, I need to see you in person. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, who are you and what do you want? Because I don't I don't cross certain boundaries with people. I'm a married woman, in case y'all didn't notice. He put a ring on it a long time ago. And um, I'm not out in these streets playing games with you men. 
And this person, I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke to him. It was a Jamaican guy. And I was like, mm, no, Bobo. I can say with confidence, I don't know who the hell you are. And you and I have never had relations. But he was saying this stuff and then insisting that, oh, we can sit down and meet in person. I said, no, sir. I said, I suggest you probably have the wrong number. Maybe you're confusing me with somebody else. I don't know. But I suggest you not pick up the phone and call me again with this kind of foolishness. Oh, you know, you're hurting my feelings. I'm like, sir, you would if you know anything about me, you would know that I don't really care about your feelings. And with this sort of thing, this is actually kind of rude for you to pick up the phone and be saying these things to me. It's not funny, and, and there's certain things I just don't play around with. I actually had other ladies in the car, and they were like, who the heck is he? They're like, girl, you were nice to him. I would have cursed him out. I was like, these people are so weird. So I don't know what that was about yesterday. They sound like a bunch of kids probably playing around, but it's not funny. And so those types of things, I let the RCIPS handle. Don't call me and don't joke with me about anything of a sexual nature. I'm not your friend. I'm not your companion. We're not in that kind of a relationship. Don't even think about it when you see me. I'm not the one. Don't catcall at me. Don't don't even look at me if you can help it, if you're having those kind of thoughts in your head, because it, it's just, no, not interested in that sort of thing. So I've asked the police to um, sort the, the, whoever that is, to sort them out, because, yeah. Morning, Miss Brenda. Um, Andy's here. Miss Debbie's in the house. Patricia Blake. Jake is also joining us. Hey, Jean, girl, what you doing? I've not seen you in a minute. Ransford says, as a Jamaican, some of the news is very heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, without a doubt, you know. Miss Aline, morning to you. Lani's joining us from, uh, she says, good morning, I think, in um, the Filipino language, which is called Tagalog, Tagalog, Tagalog. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um... Everton says, sometimes it's good to be in the back of the class because you can see everything in the front. Ah, Miss Elaine says, too much cherry juice. You mean these fools that be trying to call me? Miss Lanny says, say it, Sandy. Oh, you want me to say that? Uh, Lanny, <clears throat> listen to me carefully now. My name is not John John Seymour. <laughs> I'm not going to be here saying good morning to everyone in 50 different languages and butchering them all. All right, let me see. Let me see if I can do my best. Looks like magandang umaga. You have to tell me how good or not that was. Mm-hmm. Luis reminding us he's playing live music tonight at Moritz every Friday. Really nice and relaxing. You should come. Eh. You know, I like, I'm a homebody, Luis. Anytime you see me out, it's normally just to get a quick bite and then I'm done. I'm a bit of a homebody, but I do like, I love live music and I know your band does a fantastic job, but I thought you guys were, is that Thursday night that you're down by, um, on West Bay Road, down by Peppers? Yeah, you know, um, I wish I could tell you that it'd be coming, but that's highly unlikely. <laughs> I'm sure that's lovely out there, though. Nice ocean breeze and some nice music. 
Here's Johan and his craziness. And I'm like, oh, oh, hold on, Auntie Sandy, trying to give me bun. WTF? No, sir. Nobody not getting bun around here. I hate to tell you. Um, Morna says, Sandy, when it all boils down to, it's called the news. Near or far, the news must go on. I tell you what. <laughs> Leanna says, Sandy says, I'm not the one. Nope, definitely not. Oh, my God. Orgra. I think I'm butchering. You know what? You sent me a, a note the other day telling me how to pronounce it, but I didn't get to listen to the voice note. Will you please do me a favor and just ping me again on WhatsApp? Because I know you sent it on WhatsApp so that I can easily find that message and listen to it. And I promise as of next week, I'll be saying it correctly. <laughs> so Lanny says that my Tagalog I don't even know if I'm saying that right, is very good. She says that was excellent. You guys use some Spanish words in your language too, don't you? I think you guys had, was it Spain or something that had went into the Philippines for a minute? So sometimes they sound like they're speaking, like I hear them speaking, you kind of pick up on like Spanish words thrown in there as well. So I don't know if they picked up, um, or was it the Portuguese? I can't remember who went into the Philippines, but I think you guys have some words or like Spanish words that you've thrown in for good measure. Uh, buenos dias, Miss Ingrid, como estas? Um, Luis says, yes, Thursday, he's at Peppers, lovely. Good morning, Siobhan. Liana says, where are the Caymanians um, at that makes cassava or heavy cake? It needs to be in the market so I can buy some every Friday. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm gonna give you a little secret there, honey chill. The best people to get this from are those East End folks. I'm going to give them East Enders. OJ. Oh, OJ. Okay. Is it OJ like that? Um, Listen, them East Enders, they're the ones to get your heavy cakes from. I still trying to beg my aunt from East End to make me one. Um, it's not a heavy cake, but it's a lemon cake for my birthday. But child, she's so busy in retirement mode. I don't know if I'll ever get another cake again. <laughs> That and biscuit cakes. Ooh, so they are the best. But you know who makes a good... You can actually order cakes. Now, you know, I'm going to give you all a little, a little inside track. Mr. Isaac um, Rankin, senior. This is the... He's like in his 80s. But he is still... They call him Mr. Gerlo. He is still making... Like, you can call him... And he will make you a cake. I'm trying to find his number. Where's Mr. Jarlow's number? Um, yeah, Papa Jarlow. Yeah, I got him in here, honey chill. And he can make you heavy cake, um, cassava cake, whatever. I don't know if he does the biscuit cake, though. But he does pineapple upside down cake. People be ordering from him. And so I ordered one pineapple upside down cake some months back. Cause I was going to a little party and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll take a cake. And um, then people loved it. They're like, Oh God, Sandy, this is so good. And you know what I like? He's still able bodied, you know, he's trying to help himself. He's not relying on anybody else. So he'll charge you a little something, something, um, to, uh, make the cake, but I love it. So I'll send you his number if you want. What's that mean? I'll give you his number. And um, he'll get you sorted out. 
Siobhan says, I'm a homebody too. Only out where I need to go get something done and then straight back home. You know what? Um, I think that um, for me, one of the reasons I like my own company, first of all, and I always have something to do and something to keep me busy. Like I'm never really bored. That's that. And then I have family time in the evenings and stuff. So I try to disengage as much as possible. And um, the other thing too is all of us have, well, not all of us, some of us have mortgages, you know, we're paying the bank money. And I figure if I'm paying the bank thousands of dollars a month and, you know, be going out with the interest, although I got mine locked in, you should get yours locked in too. But still you're paying thousands of dollars a month. That's a huge investment. I am not going to be out in the streets and not enjoying my home. That's how I see it. I'm like, for as much money as I'm paying for it, I might as well stay home and relax and enjoy it and kick out my feet on that sofa, child. Yes, honey, child, and sit back and take a nap on the sofa, go out in the yard, make the grass run underneath my feet. That's how I be seeing it. I'm like, this is, you know, going to be mine once the mortgage is paid off, so I might as well enjoy it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. All right. So Lanny says, yes, they were colonized by the Spanish a long time ago. I remember. Marshall, hello. Uh, Natasha says, true, our East End grannies um, and aunties made the best heavy cakes and food in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I must say, you know, Georgetown has got them. They got some good cooks too, you know. I mean... I don't know if you'd pit the districts against each other who would come out on top. I mean, everybody say East End got the best cooks, but I mean, them Georgetowners, some of them kind of solid still. When you get into like the Miss Elritas and like certain age group, even my aunt, well, she from East End. But boy, they be bringing it good. The rice and beans that we need to have like a district cook off. Oh my God, all the traditional Caymanian dishes. Yeah, do a cook off by district and see who comes in. You see, Ms. Uh, Gilder's here saying Iva does the biscuit cake. Which Iva? Because let me tell you something. That biscuit cake is uniquely an East End thing, I feel like. Most Caymanians don't even know what a biscuit cake is. They're like, what the heck's a biscuit cake? Well, I didn't know. Till one day, my aunt made this delicious something, something, something. And I was eating it. I was like, oh my God, what is this thing? It is so good. I couldn't believe it. And when she said biscuit cake... I'm like, I don't know nothing about no biscuit cake, but I know this is good. So, um, wait, I have a heart. She says she at East Enda. You are? And you know how to make biscuit cake? Mm, honey, chow. Marshall says, boy, he remember Pirates Week, everybody. Like, you know, this is very traditional. I don't know what they can do at Pirates Week next year, but, oh. I feel like this year kind of was a letdown, but remember, um, everybody be looking forward to like at work. I remember when I was at Maples, everybody's like, oh, today's, today's um, East End. Who, who, who gonna make the East End run? Then you'd get everybody's order. And then you knew, you knew who in East End to get food from because not everybody just because they from East End is equal in the cooking department. So certain people, that's why their lines be so long, honey, child, because they're the real chefs of East End. 
Miss Iva, I never knew that you were um you from East End. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Jonathan says the best cassava cake I ever um had was made by my grand aunt, Miss Alta Foster. Hmm. Uh, Liana says West Bay comes in for the best turtle. Really? I'm not a huge, huge turtle person, but Gilder, Baden Town. Uh-huh. Uh, Miss B, Shannon, Liana, advertising. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lanny says, I have the recipe for that biscuit cake. I will send it to you. Child, I need. I don't need a recipe. I think I need to see it made, cause they be throwing in a little extra, extra something, something in that. Child, sometimes you can have a recipe and it's just not enough. Mm. Um, East End has the best Wilkes. Mm -hmm. West Bay also does great heavy cakes, says Lavana. Um, yeah, boy, we got some good cooking around the place. North side is the best for kunk, says Strong Will. No, man, we need to have a little cook-off. At Marvel, had hands down, the best cassava cake ever. And she, which district is that, Natasha? Inspiring says, I go district by district eating like crazy for Pirates Week. Yeah, it's a thing. It is definitely a thing. So, Miss Iva, um, born and bred East Anna, yes, sir. You know what? Graham is your brother. I, I think I knew that, but I keep forgetting. But child, how many siblings y'all got in that family? Because he's also family to, um, uh, her name is McLaughlin. Um, oh Lord, what her name is again? Hold on here now. Uh, Monique. So Monique is your sibling as well, or this is one that mix up stories where the father probably had 50 children by a couple different women. Are you family to Monique? Oh, yes. It's it's a big family. Yeah, somebody else says, yeah. Good morning, Ivas and East Ender. Grandma says, oh, my mother had six boys and three girls. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you all know Graham Rankin, boy. He, he's an authentic Caymanian boy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, now that we know um, Iva is from East End, we gotta get her to hook us up with some something, something, some good. Um, I'm not a cassava cake person, personally. Believe it or not, I could probably never eat cassava cake. I'll be all right, but um. I really am. Uh, what this one is again? I uh, like man. So so wait a minute, Iva. Do you know how to make biscuit cake? Then is my only question, because you and I got to talk. Then, mm -hmm. Iva, I might have something for you. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to you later on about an idea. Uh, this person says biscuit cake for the win. Yes, honey, chill. I'm all about that biscuit cake life. Oh, Lord, have mercy. What is this out of the news out of Jamaica? From fishing trip to attempted murder. Oh, geez, some peace. No, sir. Mm -mm. 
what the hell is this? A 50-year-old man is now facing an attempted murder charge after taking another man a fishing trip. Oh. Uh. Um. Oh, no, this isn't the story that I was thinking of. That was another story out of Jamaica where this man sexually assaulted another man. I'm like, oh, my God. The madness. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, honey child, we're talking about some regional news this morning. Oh, yeah, Natasha says her grand aunt is from East End. Well, that makes total sense. Um, Georgetown, best for crab and lobster. I don't know, boy. The East Enders can give you a run for your money in that department, too. Okay, man, style lobster. Oh, my God, y'all making me hungry this morning. Mm. I got some, actually, um, some mar- mackerel that I'm working on, but all this talk of food, I'm like, ooh, honey. Ugh, we need to do a, a cook-off based on just the districts. The best from the districts, right? Bring them all out. Dean says, I don't like cassava cake. Me either. I mean, I wouldn't say that I don't like it, but I'm not, it's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. Like I can actually go without cassava cake. Sometimes it's like years before I even eat it. And I only eat like a little bit. Like it's too, um, like the consistency of it, I just don't like. Um, And it is very, very sweet as well. Like I find like it's a little bit crazy. So um, I'm not big on cassava cake. Good morning, Miss Rosedale says my father and mother was one of the best cooks in East End. Oh, really? Who are they? Do tell, do tell. Um, Liana says I remember when culture day was happening in schools, parents were given a list and I came across an unknown food or a cake called nigga Bible. Well, I've had this so-called nigga Bible before. And that's the name of it. Don't get offended. And um, yeah, to me, it's kind of like cassava cake. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's not really my favorite thing. The National, was it the National Gallery? Had a cooking class. Gosh, that's been a couple of years now. Was that before COVID or after COVID? Jeez, I'm peace. I can't remember. But anyway, they did this cooking thing at um, A.L. Thompson's because, you know, they actually have those kitchens that you see there, at least one of them, is a proper functional kitchen. Like it's a proper functional kitchen. And oh, it's decorated nicely. And you know, whenever they change out kitchens, I think they donate like the cabinets and all kind of stuff. I'm like, oh God, they need to come donate a whole kitchen to me. I love a beautiful kitchen. Oh my goodness. So um, they had a cooking segment. Actually, Miss Burnham. Uh, Thompson Cummings was the one who was doing it. So she did, did she do nigga Bible? I'm trying to remember now. She did some kind of custard. She did a couple desserts. Custard. I think one was nigga Bible and one was something else. Um, What other cake did she do? I can't remember now. But it was very, very interesting to see. I'll have to find it because I know we did. Uh, record these. It was very, very interesting to see these um, recipes and stuff. And I love when um, National, or was it the National Trust? I think it was them. I love when uh, we do cooking segments and stuff like that, right? 
because you get to learn and you know, everybody does stuff a little bit different. So there are people there like these East Enders, they're like, oh no, 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 we wouldn't put, we wouldn't put no sugar in that. Or we don't put no flour in that. I don't know where she get that recipe from. <laughs> so it's so interesting that everybody has a different way. Um, oh yes, this is back in t- March, May of 2021. Um, so she shared three recipes and then she would give you the recipe and stuff. This, you know, we're going to, we're, I'm going to re-air this segment in October. This is one of those segments I'm going to re-air in October when I'm away. Uh, cause we're going to do like the best of, this is really, really good. So she went through and showed everybody how to make, oh, she did fritters. That was the other thing that she did was fritters, but them East Enders in the house, they're like, oh, we don't put that in no fritters. I was like, really? But, you know, again, I notice that people make fritters differently. Like some fritters are very, very light and they're almost like empty on the inside. And then some fritters that I have had are thicker and more dense, you know, but they're good. So I think, you know, all these things make a difference. Um... Amanda says, when you're on a diet and everyone starts talking about cooking. <laughs> uh, strong Wilson, Sandy, back in the day, Pirates Week was the best. I used to go from district to district. Now it's wash up. Yeah, I think we need we need to bring it back, though. We need like a re... And, you know, I get people who are like politically correct and whatever. But, you know, it's something we've celebrated for, what, 40-something years now. It's a good tourist attraction and the kids enjoy it and like it and whatever. But the most important thing for me are the cultural days, because those are so amazing to see people bring out all the artifacts. Big shout out to Miss Mary Lawrence this morning as well, because, you know, her and the ladies in Baden Town who maintain the Mission House and the Miss Josie um, Senior Center, they do a phenomenal job. Like you go there and the culture and the stuff that that woman knows, oh my God, Miss Mary is just amazing with her knowledge, right? Uh, Lavana says East End is hands down the best. <laughs> oh, Siobhan, tell me what she could do with some Cayman style beef head today. Miss um, Morna says that her aunt was the best in cooking and baking at Eloise, who's Dexter Bodden's mom. Rest in peace, TT. Hmm. And sadly, if these people don't pass on um, their recipes, and not just the recipes, but the sort of inner secrets of how to do stuff. We're losing. That's that's a big part of our culture. So Curtis is listening to this and he's like, wait a minute. Is today International Cake Day? No, Curtis. We just started talking about food and now we can't get off the topic. <laughs> but it's important for these things to be passed on from one generation to the next because we're losing a lot of aspects of our culture and food just like language and other things is a big part of culture. And boy, Caymanians love to eat. Ivo also makes a great macaroni cake. You mean the macaroni pudding? Oh yeah. Uh, Liana says, ask Uncle T, I'll T to sponsor Caymanian cook off. I want him to sponsor our, our cooking show. Cause you know, I've been talking about it for a minute but I'm looking for sponsors actually to sponsor our um, Cooking with Sandy show. 
But the, the thing with the Cooking with Sandy show is I actually want to go in your kitchen and see you cook. But maybe the compromise is if A.L. Thompson's will allow us to borrow their kitchen and then we can make it a whole like community thing where you guys show up for the cooking segments. And of course, we're going to record those because we're going to be talking. I'm messaging A.L. Thompson's right now, Alti. And I'm going to say to him, we should talk about this. Because I've been talking about it for far too long. Let's get Sandy's cooking show off the ground in 2023. Um, Liana's asking, anybody still making peppermint candy? Ooh, I heard somebody recently. Who was that talking about making peppermint candy? Um... Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, Paul says, good morning, CMR and Sandra. Your cassava cake is similar to our cassava pie. Mm-hmm. We mix chicken or pork with it. Oh, no. That's not the same thing, not at all. Um... Usually have it during the Christmas holidays, Easter cup. Mm. Hmm. That sounds different though. That sounds almost like a, um, uh, you know what they do? Um, oh Lord. What is that thing called again? It's like a liver pate sort of thing, but it's like um, like a stuffing, but it has liver in it. I don't know if y'all have ever had this like around Christmas time. There's a guy from East End. My cousin going to help me out with his name now. He actually makes it and it is so good. It's like an alternative to the traditional stuffing. What, what's that man name? I guess my cousin. Uh it's a uh, stuffing with liver in it. That'd be good, honey chill. He from East Andu. Um, let me see now. Miss Kimberly, good morning. She says, good morning. Any updates on the NRA? And the uh, Grand Harbor roundabout, shall they take any time? Because they scared them people down in Grand Harbor. Let me find out. I'll, I'll message NRA and find out. It wasn't the NRA that was scared or even the NRA board. It was the minister cowtailing to people. Every day I go through that intersection. I'm surprised that they don't have more accidents there. I got to be honest with you. That whole intersection is one big disaster waiting to happen. Oh, my God. People cutting across. You just don't have enough time at that intersection, unfortunately. It is crazy. But anyway, so far, y'all getting pretty lucky. Nobody's been killed there yet. Oh, geez. And let me not put my goat mouth on them. Um, so I think the board was going to reconsider it. Let me ask a board member. Because... They figure they'll wait a couple years and y'all will forget all about it. Louise says, I make the light fritters because then you can fill them with anything. 
Yeah, because Jamaicans call fritters something else, you know. When my husband refers to fritter, he's like saltfish fritter. Like they're flat, not as, um, they're not as, uh, I don't even know if they put flour in their fritters. Because they're like just flat and full of like stuff, like saltfish and whatever else they put in them. But it's totally different. Thank you, Miss Dean. Olive, which dish makes the best Akian saltfish and fried dumplings? Well, that's an imported dish now. That's not really a Caymanian dish. Um, so who makes the best Aki? That's that's Jamaican's national dish, Jamaica's national dish. Who would you say? George Downers? I'm not too sure. Sonia says I could eat one of Miss Alvita's two turtle now. Yeah. Anytime I call Miss Alvita, I said, listen now. The little lady in the kitchen. Is it Miss Bev? I said, please. Um, just lean meat. I don't like the manavlin. Now, I'm, I get that you have to cook it with all of that stuff to give it the flavoring and the natural oils and whatever, right? But when it comes to me eating it, I just want lean meat, a little tops of gravy and rice and beans, and I'm good. And when you eat the lean meat, like I find that that fills you up. Like you don't need all that other stuff. And because I, I can't really identify some of those parts, I'm just like, oh, I, I'm not going to be eating them. No, honey, chill. <laughs> Damaris is imagine hearing about um, cakes and fitters while you're at work. Hungry because you don't know what to have for breakfast. <laughs> oh, God. Isn't that a mess? Hello, Monique. Look at you. Beautiful East End woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshall says that he likes the light fritters. Also, you can eat a lot of them before you get full. <laughs> With the thick fritters, you can't eat too many before you're full. Well, you know, all that flour, not good for you anyway. So you only need about two. Um, Someone needs to make a Caymanian recipe book. That's already been done. I have one right here. Miss, um, hold on here now. Uh, uh, what's it? Well, Miss, um, oh, Lord, hold on. Let me look now. Um, where's my Caymanian cooking? Oh, my cooking books over on the other side. Yes, but Miss, Miss, um, oh Lord, what her name was from East End again? At, oh Lord, have mercy. But we have Miss Cleo. Thank you. Oh, geez, I'm peace. Miss Cleo did a cooking book, honey child. You need to get one. Hold on. Let me grab it. Let me grab it. Let me, let me scoot you, scoot you over here. Because yes, we already have one. Um, Miss Cleo. Oi. Oh, Lord. Where is Miss Cleo's book now? I have. Oh, my God. I forgot to tell you guys the other day that I got my Caymanian book that I wanted. All right. Where's Miss Cleo? Oh, God. Where is my Miss Cleo book? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, gosh. Where's Miss Cleo? Hold on, hold on, I'm coming. Where's my cookbook from Miss Cleo? What? I gotta try and find it now, but I'm supposed to have it here somewhere. Miss Cleo. I got my schooner book. Um I'm supposed to have my Miss Cleo. Anyway, I can find it. I'm sure somebody gave it to me and I must have it here somewhere. I'll find it. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't keep too many books in my physical collection because y'all know I love me an ebook. I love an ebook and I love, um, but this is concerning me now that I can't put my hand on my Miss Cleo book. Miss Stacy, we better try and find that, you know, make sure I know where that is. Um, Miss Cleo, I got one by Miss um, Mary Rankin. I have her book. Uh, Mr. Bodden, I like to have my little local book collection here. All right, I'm gonna have to find Miss Cleo, but listen, I'm sure I have it here somewhere. But there is there is a local, um, that's probably your best, that's your, your Caymanian Bible when it comes to, to local food, Liana. Get yourself a copy. And you know, the other day I was talking to you guys about how I went to uh, Mr. Rennie Barnes. Every first Saturday of the month, they get together in the old timers group. And I saw this book. It comes in, I think, red and green. And I think they might be slightly different. I'm not really sure. And so this was a book about the Cayman Islands. And I was like, oh my gosh, where can I find this book? And guess what? Amazon. I tell y'all, Amazon has almost everything. So I ordered it and it came last month. And I forgot to mention it to you guys, I think. But it's um, it was reprinted in 1992, 1995, and 1998. But the original print was 1970. So this was before my time, honey chow. But they have a whole section here um, dating back to the 1500s from Columbus to the Buccaneers. Oh, we need to have some readings from this. Oh, my God. This book is so amazing. It's a little book. It's not big it's only 194 pages so it's an easy read um yes i'm talking about miss annie martin this is back in 1969 these are old-time legislators boy they were getting things done back then So it says, let, let me just indulge a little bit. Uh, page one, from Columbus to the Buccaneers, that's 1503 to 1733. They could go through that whole period very quickly because they think not much was going on. Uh, the Cayman Islands, which celebrates their 300th anniversary of British rule in 1970, entered recorded history in 1503. Mm. The year in which Leonardo da Vinci uh, painted the Mona Lisa and Henry VII began building his chapel at Westminster Abbey. Wow. Sailing from Puerto Rico, oh, no, sorry, Puerto Bello, which is Panama, towards Hispaniola, the present Haiti and the Dominican Republic, on his fourth and final series of voyages of discovery in the New World, Christopher Columbus sighted Cayman Brack and Little Cayman on Wednesday, the 10th of May. Yes, sir. Ferdinand Columbus, in his life of his father, noted under that date, and this is a quote, we were in sight of two very small and low islands, full of tortoise, uh, tortoises, which is turtles, as uh, was all the sea about, insomuch that they looked like little rocks, <laughs> for which reason these islands were called tortugas. That was his quote. Almost at once, uh, cartogra cartographers began putting the islands on their maps. Indeed, a group of islands in approximately the same position as the Caymans. They've been calling us the Caymans for a very long time, honey, jail. 
appears on the uh, Cantonino chart of 1502, but it is unnamed. And a Portuguese map of the New World drawn in 1593 before Columbus could have communicated his discovery names two islands as, what is this? Diacona and Diabuda. But we may seriously doubt that the Portuguese had any direct geographical knowledge of this part of the Caribbean. That's interesting nonetheless. All right, the Turin map of uh, 1523 is the first to show all three islands placed in reasonably correct positions and names the group as uh, lagartos, which is alligators or large lizards. But by the time the Wolfenbuttel map was drawn in uh, 1527 to, to 1530, the name Caymanus, crocodiles, had arrived and this or a variant of it has remained. It derived from the Carib word for the crocodile family as a whole and for the maritime crocodile in particular. And we know from later naturalists like William Dampier that such creatures once abounded in Little Cayman, where uh, an example of the species has been seen in this century. It is reasonable to assume that the crocodiles of Little Cayman, the island uh, most often visited in early times, isn't that interesting, gave their name to the whole group, uh, supplanting las tortugas, the turtles, which uh, with which the island's development were to be so closely linked. There's a more plausible explanation than the one that earlier visitors to Grand Cayman mistook the iguanas or edible lizards for alligators. Oh, this is a more plausible, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, once discovered and chartered, the islands remained unexplored, unsettled, and almost forgotten. Meanwhile, the name Tortuga became assigned by seamen to a small turtle-shaped island off of northwest Hispaniola, commanding the shipping route through the west one, westward passage, uh, which was to develop, like the Caymans themselves, as a base for buccaneers. Jamaica with... Uh, with which the Caymans were to be closely associated for so much of their history, has been discovered, had been discovered by Columbus on his second westward voyage. And in 1509, his son appointed Juan de, Juan de Esquivel, governor of the first settlement there. Spanish possessions in the Caribbean and Central America were so extensive that there was no incentive to, co to colonize, apparently, barren, rocky inlets which neither with neither gold nor Indians. So in other words, they weren't interested in us because we didn't have much. Um, and there's nobody here. Besides, communications were difficult and with primitive charts and instruments making a landfall um, at the Caymans and clearing the reefs was a hazardous business. Even three centuries later, an experienced navigator felt it necessary to warn captains sailing from Jamaica that through ignorance of the currents, the Caymans have been, have often been missed. Hmm. Nature contrived to hide the islands as thoroughly as a private pirate, sorry, hides his treasure. Later in the 16th century, Spanish vessels uh, making for new Spain sometimes sailed westward from Cabo Cruz in Cuba to the lesser Caymans, lesser Caymans, where, where they 
uh, might water on an occasion even went as far as Grand Cayman. So our sister islands are referred to as the Lesser Caymans. Oh. In order to avoid the reefs of the Jardines de la Reine and would then continue northwest to the Isle of Pines. Wow. Isn't that surprisingly interesting? Oh, honey child, we got to read some of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, I love, I love history and Cayman history in particular. So this little book, you can get off of Amazon. Everybody get yourself a copy, honey child. Absolutely love it. I can't find Miss Cleo, but I'm supposed to have her here. However, um, my I think it was my mother-in-law. I can't remember now. She um, gifted me a couple. Somebody gave, gifted me Jamaican cookbooks. So this one is a real taste of Jamaica. And this little lady named Enid Donaldson. Yeah. So there's Miss Enid. And uh, lots of recipes in here, including um, cocktail patties, stuffed hard-boiled eggs. And, of course, they have their own version of um, saltfish fritters and stuff like that. Manish water, cream of Kalaloo soup, spicy pumpkin soup. Like, everything is here. Really, really del delicious. And uh, we can see where a lot of our... Um, Shared dishes come in and stuff as well, right? Like they have a recipe for grilled lobster and so on. Mm -hmm. The hot pot. Lots of good recipes in that one. And then this one, which is a collection of 19th century Jamaican cookery and uh, herbal recipes, also is a very interesting book. And this has, um, you can tell the pages are of a certain age. And so this one dates back to the 1980s in terms of publication. Um, so it talks about the history of this book with John Pringle giving 100 of his closest friends. Imagine having 100 closest friends. Uh, a most extravagant Christmas card in the form of privately printed versions of a collection of Jamaican recipes that had been given to him in 1965 by his aunt Marjorie Campbell in the form of um, bundled, fragile, very old, handwritten, pink exercise books. So um, the collection in turn belonged to his late, to her late husband, sorry, uh, the Honorable Charles Pringle, who was the custos of the parish of St. Mary and reputedly had been assembled over a hundred years ago by the housekeeper of her father, Sir John Pringle. So um, back then, the Pringle estate stretched over 150,000 acres across three parishes on the island of Jamaica. So that's these recipes. Look look at how they the old hand cursive. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? So this has a lot of um, amazing recipes. And there's no pictures in this book. <laughs> They're all written in cursive. Goat or kid mutton. And so you have to actually read the cursive, look at that, to be able to get these recipes. It's not always easy to read them, I must say. Curry of kid or goat mutton, roasted kid, mutton kidneys, boiled kid or goat mutton chow. These are really interesting. Curried salt fish. And then they tell you what it is. Um, salt mackerel cutlets. 
So they say number 45, right? So they have a whole section about saltfish. And they have saltfish and ackies. One pound of saltfish, the fruit of 12 ackee pods, lard, butter, and black pepper. Boy, back then the recipes were even simple, right? Life was simple and the recipes were simple. And then they have salt fish and rice. Huh, okay. But they actually give you definitions, like number 45 says salt mackerel. Soak the fish some hours. Okay. Um, what is that word? Then boil it, changing the water once to extract the salt. Put it on cold water and let it come to boil. Drain and serve with butter sauces, garnish with sliced limes, tomatoes, and fresh peppers. Uh, I would be asking, like, where's the rest of the recipe? But that's as simple as it is. That was a salt mackerel recipe right there. See it right there? That's it, number 45. Made it simple. And I guess <laughs> you knew to throw in other stuff if you wanted to. Salt fish twice laid. That's the name of that recipe, number 48. <laughs> so this one to me is like a, to me, this is more of a history book than anything else. Puddings and preserves. They have a bunch of um, pineapple stewed, number two. Um, so yeah, so this one is like a history book. I love this one. This one's really cool. But none of these recipes I could follow because I'm like, where's the rest of the recipe? Oh, it's kind of a little bit torn. Oh gosh, you gotta be careful. Um, so that one is really, really interesting. But Miss Cleo is supposed to be in here somewhere. I'll have to find her. All right, folks. Um, good morning to Miss Darlene. Says Miss Eloise was a great cook. I remember her pies and the best burger, Brown Derby, was her restaurant. Brown Derby, where was that restaurant? Oh, wow. Uh, Strong Wilt says, Sandy, check Uncle Dart for what? Oh, for the cooking show. Natasha says that would be so great. We can get the cooking show up and running soon. Poor Uncle Dart. Everybody want him to do everything and be everything to everyone until they're ready to cuss him. <laughs> Honestly, they already sponsor the um, cultural K-Mad Voices. And if we get them to sponsor anything else, you know, people, uh, salty and jealous people like Mario that claim that this is the Dart show, so... Let's not go overboard with the Dart organization now. But um, it would make, you know who it would make sense to, to get to um, sponsor a show like this? Fosters. I hate to put them on the spot, but I mean, we need ingredients and food to do it, right? So maybe I should talk to Woody about sponsoring the show. Or even one of the brands like Grace. Like if anybody got connection with those Grace food people, maybe we could get them to sponsor it and stuff as well. We can use all Grace products. All right. So we've had enough time talking about festivals and fritters and <laughs> Miss Morna says I'm full already. Looking at recipe books. Um, Jeffana says, where did you get that book from? The history one? I actually found it, believe it or not, on Amazon. And um, it, it's, it's amazing. I'm going to order some more of them, but yeah. They talk about changes in the turtle fishery, hurricanes, um, problems of land tenure back in the day. Oh. Oh, li listen to this. Um, this is on page 20. Oh, let's read this a little bit. Oh, my gosh. This book is so awesome. Um, soon to Grand Cayman came the Tatums. No H, by the way. And Jeanette's. Really? 
Ebanks and Hunters, the Hydes, Clarks, Rivers, and Hills. Oh, yeah? Yet there were no more crown grants issued from Spanish town. Mary Bodden's grant of 1742 was the last. It is reasonable to deduce that only a proportion of the lands granted had been settled so that for years to come, there was plenty of wasteland for all who had uh, adventured to the island as planters. And as in all the uh, young settlers, settlement, sorry, there was a tendency to move on to fresh grounds when the land seemed exhausted. Huh. 60 years after Mary Bodden's grant, the business of the collection of the annual rents and the original system of land holdings had been forgotten by the administrators in Jamaica. That's taxes. Even the islanders had forgotten the traditions. The only tenure by which the inhabitants of the Caymans had their land is possession, it was declared. They have no grants. An individual cultivates any spot he finds uncultivated before, and having used it as long as the soil will properly admit uh, of discards it either for time altogether and cleans and cultivates new, but the land which he may have cleared, although not occupied, is looked upon as his. And it would be considered among themselves as an unfair intrusion to interfere with it. In fact, even then, a number of Caymanians were asking whether their property uh, would not be more clearly defined if they were to hold it by a regular grant of the crown. So already we see people talking about land ownership and how do you know if this land is really yours? This is so interesting. Um, That was uh, chapter two from permanent settlement to the end of slavery. Here's a section on slaves. Let's read about this one. A century after the Caymans had passed to British possession, Grand Cayman alone was inhabited and the population there numbered no more than 170. Wow. The land grants of 1734 and 1741 to 42, as we have seen, envisioned, envisaged the, what is this? Patentes uh, bringing out their servants and slaves and subsequent settlers from Jamaica clearly brought slaves with them to Cayman. But in 1781, an African slave ship, the Nelly, bound for Jamaica, was wrecked on the reef. Uh, I'm getting a little bit congested here this morning. Sorry. And a great many were sold to pay salvage and other expenses. Soon afterwards, small numbers of slaves began regularly uh, sent out in the provision ships leaving Montego Bay so that by 1802, there were 551 Negroes out of a total population of 933. I'm going to tell you something about that here in a second. The number of settlers increased over the years by survivors from wrecked vessels of different nationalities. Some took the first opportunity to work their passages in vessels sailing for Jamaica, Honduras, or Florida, uh, but others stayed, finding the island offered them a livelihood often richer than that they had left behind. Look at that. Land of opportunity from way back then. The next chapter is about the connection with Jamaica. 
So listen, you heard those numbers there, 551 Negroes, those are slaves, out of a total, total population of 933. So that's about almost, um, hold on, I'm going to tell you what percentage that is. I was going to say 50-50, but it's actually a little bit more than 50-50. Um, what was it, 551 out of 933? 551. So that is a percentage of, no, hold on, 551, 933. So that's 59% of the population were actually slaves. So this explains a lot in terms of our very, very, mixed heritage. That's why Caymanians are so mixed up. Like most Caymanians in local Dominican, you can't really tell what they are. Um, and I also think that it's part of the reason why we have traditionally had a very, uh, you know, seemingly like you, like people say, oh, we don't, we don't have colorism or prejudices. We actually do. But because it was such a large portion of the population we're actually of African descent. We're slaves. We're Negroes. Um, I think the dynamics of it were a little bit different than what you would have found in a lot of other jurisdictions. So that's pretty interesting. You know, 60% almost um, were actually slaves back then. This was in 1802. But those numbers sustained because we know that when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, um, to say there was no more slavery, you know, it was issued at least in paper and it was proclaimed. About I think about then it was at least a 50-50 split between um, the Negro slaves and then the so-called non-slave as well. And again, because we were into small farming, um, a lot of the slaves would have been in very, very close contact with the, they weren't out in some farm, farm far away. They were like literally in, in your yard. And so that is why you had a population that was uh, mixing a lot as well. So, you know, you're, you're sitting there as a, as, a, as a white man. Yes, that might have been your slave, but you're looking at her every day. You grow to be, you know, have some affinity towards her. And next thing you know, the two of you having a family, whether legitimately or not. And that also made the population um, very, very diverse. Um, Oje say, uh, who doesn't love history? I remember going to dinner at the Lizard... Lazy Lizard Restaurant on Seven Mile, Seven Mile Road, West Bay. It was named, it was just a name until I accidentally spotted big lizards in the coconut trees and ran out to find out later that they were fake. <laughs> Someone's asking me about the slave wall, um, something that I definitely want to go see. Um, like I said, definitely need to talk to Miss Mary about some of these things because she's amazing. And listening from Fort Walton Beach. Thank you, Miss Anne. Uh, that book should be in every single school in Grand Cayman. Olive, not only should it be in school, but our children need to make sure that they're reading it and they truly understand the history of the Cayman Islands. Uh, we have some really good historical books, you know. We just need to make sure that we're reading and we're learning. All right. Let's move on to talk about COVID just as I'm getting congested. Um, yeah, all of a sudden I started, somebody said you sound congested. Yeah, all of a sudden I started getting very, very congested. All right, let's take a commercial break. I will attempt to clear out my sinuses. And when we come back, we're going to talk about COVID and a few other things that's happening um, in, oh, hold on. Give me one quick second. 
a few other things. Oh my gosh, it's happening. Oh, Nosa, that's happening in the community. Let me see. Yes. All right. So we'll be right back after these brief messages, folks. One second here for me. Okay, I'm feeling very congested all of a sudden. Okay, one second. Mm -hmm. Okay, computer is moving a little bit slow. Here we go. It's like spinning, spinning and spinning some more. Yes, honey, chill. Any day now. All right. Crichton Properties is one of Cayman's most trusted real estate companies for over 50 years. We offer a diverse selection of property listings and help our clients navigate the world of buying or selling their properties with confidence. Crichton is a name you can trust with our excellent customer service and family-friendly touch. Contact us today to list your home, land, or condo for sale by calling 949-5250 or email info at crichtonproperties.com. Crichton Properties, a trusted Cereba member. Friends, Caymanians, Whopper fans, I do declare that this king is... Angry. The Angry Whopper is back after four years. Flame grilled quarter powder topped with melted pepper jack cheese, hot angry sauce, crispy angry onions, iceberg lettuce, jalapenos, and tomato. But that is not all. You can now get angry everything. Angry chicken, angry fish, even angry breakfast. Ask for angry at Burger King and we'll add pepper jack cheese, angry sauce, angry onions, and jalapenos to any sandwich. Angry everything is here for a limited time only and only at Burger King. I'm Kenneth Bryan, Minister for Tourism and Ports, and I need your help to keep our beautiful islands clean. Littering is unsightly and negatively impacts our tourism industry, which is crucial to our economy. Keeping our islands clean is everyone's responsibility, so let's all work together to keep the Cayman Islands beautiful for generations to come. Be a part of the solution, not the pollution. Littering is a crime punishable by a $500 fine or six months in prison. Brought to you by the Beautification Task Force and Ministry of Tourism and Ports. Ocean Ridge Heights offers an amazing opportunity to own a piece of land in idyllic Cayman Brack, right on the bluff, starting from $80,000. Located in a quiet residential area with high elevation, these lots are ideal for a future home or investment property and are sure to go fast. Cayman Brack offers a laid-back lifestyle, amazing pristine diving, limestone caves, diverse flora, along with amazing wildlife. Inquire about the owner financing options so that you can secure your piece of paradise today. With only a few lots remaining, these are sure to go before you know it. Contact Crichton Properties today on 345-949-5250 or info at CrichtonProperties.com. Recover Personal Injury Attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. All right, folks. Welcome back to the program. Somebody was saying to me, 
Dayquil is the best thing for congestion. Well, I find that it tends to go away on its own after the show. Some mornings it's just irritated during the show, but we'll see. All right. Um, this person says, a family of the author of that Campbell cookbook lives in Cayman. I know the author. Really? Wow. That's amazing. All right. They also note that some of those Negroes were actually slave owners as well. Mm-hmm. And ask how many of us have read the notes on the history of the Cayman Islands by Commissioner Hearst of 1908. It is still the best and most accurate one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for the person asking about the peppermint candy, Miss Rose from Georgetown Central down in Martin Square, I'm told, is still making them. So you can definitely speak with her. Mm-hmm. Um... And someone is asking, what's the name of that history book? I'm an avid scholar of Caribbean history, and I'm interested in getting that book. It sounds absolutely interesting. Can you tell me, um, can you tell I'm a history nerd yet? <laughs> okay. So it is, I'm going to actually do you one better and give you the link off Amazon. Um, so yes, it is available on Amazon. I wonder what other books in Cayman history might be available on Amazon. So this one is called A History of the Cayman Islands. Um, let me see if I can get you the link. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what is this one? Oh, is this a new book? This one is The History of the Cayman Islands from Buccaneers to Bankers by Liam John Bodden and Ener Felix Hansen. Who are these people? Uh, okay. So this one I can actually get on Kindle for free. I have Kindle Unlimited, which means that I can read a lot of books for free. And then when I'm done reading them, I like give them back sort of thing. There's another one here about the maritime heritage of the Cayman Islands. That's by Roger C. Smith. That was from 2001. The Cayman Islands in Transition by J.A. Bodden and Roy Bodden. That one's on Amazon. Nice. So the red version of A History of the Cayman Islands is also here. That's available in hardcover. That one looks like it's uh, used, whereas this one was completely new. A History of Turtlers and Schooners is available in paperback. I have that one. That's $45. Founded Upon the Seas is available. There's one about the Cayman's 1794 Wreck of the Ten Sails. There's a book on the 32 Storm. Accounts and official reports of the worst natural disaster in the history of the Cayman Islands. Does that still remain true? That's available in paperback for $50. Wow. Is that? That was 1994. Huh. Um, let me see what else. There's one in the postal history of the Cayman Islands. Amazon has all kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hello, darling. How are you? <laughs> I am good. Guess what? It's Friday. Yes. Beautiful. Oh, and you know what? I was going to say something, and then 
I don't know if it's appropriate because I was going to say it's and it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. But wasn't, that, wasn't that Jimmy? Buffett? I was. I was just thinking of him when you said it. <laughs> yes, yeah, indeed. I, you know, and I, I, I just kind of swallowed it back. And mm-hmm. said, oh, that wouldn't be so. Anyway. Um, but you know what I was calling to ask you, please. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if you saw the message or not, and if you did, I I'm gonna ask your forgiveness. Okay. Um, I was asking you that history book that mm-hmm. you said you found on Amazon because mm-hmm. I was asking you to put it up to the camera so I could see it. Oh. But can I can I ask you, please, if you don't mind, take a picture of it and yes. can you just post it online? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we had it posted also. before, but you know what? Let me um. I'm actually trying to I'm find not, it in my ordering to see yeah, if I can. Sure if, um, or you could just do a picture oh, gosh. of it. And, it looks like know, they don't even, it says currently unavailable. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. I wonder if I got one of the last copies. It says. Let me ask you, who is that one written by? This is um, Neville Williams. Hold on. Because I do have, I believe it's the first. Um, so there's a red cool. one, and I don't know if they're the same. Okay, I have the red one. Yes. Well, well, tell me when you when you open the first page of your red one, what's the publication year? Hold on. Hold yes, because I wonder if they're the same um, book but in different colors. It, it says, yeah, it came in different colors because some people have told me that they have it in green. Oh. Um, mine is 1970. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so apparently and, the and green one, which is what I have, yeah. says unavailable, but there is, um, it looks like one maybe available in red. But the original was red. Okay. Yes, because my dad bought me that. They only have a used that. copy of the red one. They don't have a new one. Uh, no, oh. mine is Mine is like I said, my dad yeah, but this one, this one that I got was like brand new. Mm-hmm. It was, a, I mean, obviously yes, they've reprinted it, but yes. yes. And oh, is sure. is yours also ninety four pages in length? Hold on, hold on. Because it looks like it mine might be the same book. In very good condition, I must say. Yeah, mine is ninety four. Yeah, pages. so this is the same one. It came in red and green. Because I was actually surprised when some people said to me. But they have it, mm-hmm. but theirs is green. And mm-hmm. then I found out that when they reproduced it, uh-huh. they did it in green. Ah. But the first ones were red. Yes. And you know, right. you know who you know who used to sell them? Mm-hmm. Um just let me tell you, I'll tell I don't know if this place still exists. Mm-hmm. Um it was also sold by Cayman Art Ventures. Okay. So I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I have not I even heard of them, but yeah, this is this is a must-have, I think. It is. I think every child in Cayman yeah. should have a copy of this book mm-hmm. and um, you know, make reference to this when because this is probably the best version. I'm mm-hmm. saying it is the best, I'm not saying it's the most accurate, but I'm saying it's probably the mm-hmm. best version of the history of the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. And and I, I would encourage anyone who is, you know, really, really interested in our history mm-hmm. that they can go way back because there's other stuff that, you know, I have found just by yeah. researching that I did not know existed. So, yeah, page 34 yeah. talks about the first census. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. And um, 
And if you look in the, I don't know if mm -hmm. your book in the middle has, I'll tell you what page it is, but it would be after page 30, mm -hmm. where you have the pictures. Okay, let me see now. Uh-huh. Do you, yours have the, yeah, page yours 30, have. there's a two gentlemen with turtles. Okay, hold on. Uh, yes. Hold on. Okay, after page of photos. 30 for me. Uh-huh. After page 30 for me, my pictures start. And, right. Okay, okay. So your pictures are different because I, what would be page 31 in mine is a picture of Fort George. Oh, no. Page 30, mine, 31 of mine says uh, Nugent and Bodden. No. So that's Sir okay. George Nugent, governor of Jamaica mm -hmm. in 1801. Mm -hmm. No. Oh. Um, so the huh. pictures are different. Okay. Yes. So see, it's always good to compare notes. Mm -hmm. um, so what would, what would be my page 31 is um, a picture of Fort George with the schooner and a small island steamer in the background. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, for those who don't know the history on Fort George, it was demolished by Jim Borden when he was, um, they didn't call them ministers back then, they were ex-school members and mm -hmm. he was in charge of tourism. So he saw it fit and saw it fit to have it demolished. So another part of our great history, hmm. buried in the ground. And then the other picture, because it has two pictures, the other one is of the public offices in Georgetown, Grand Cayman. Um, and then if you turn the page, it shows you uh, a, what they call it a primitive cottage, okay, huh. which is the cottage style Caymanian house. Mm. And then I think those were the ones made from what do you call it? Waddle and Dab. And, and like Waddle and Dab, yeah. Uh -huh. Right. And then the other one, the fourth picture, is the first plane that, um, the first plane that Owen Roberts, sorry, first plane lands on Owen Roberts airfield. November 28th, that's 2 1954. Mm -hmm. And November the 28th is my, I have siblings who are twins, and that's their birthday. So that's easy for me. And the other one is a good shot of what Harbor Drive looked like back in the day. And that's, um, you know, it has the old maritime building on the harbor front. And um, also, the what is belly building is still there. I'm not sure what they use it for, which was the first courthouse. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is a little cottage house on stilts, and it's called a traditional residence at East End, and it's no longer occupied. I don't know what they use it for. And the other picture is a guard of honor opening of the legislative assembly. And I'm very proud and mm -hmm. prejudiced to say my father is in this picture. Mm -hmm. And um the last picture they have is a picture of the government house, um, Grand Cayman. And actually, I think what they meant to say was the governor's residence, because it's the house down there on the West Bay Road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this book is a must-have. Yes, no, it's, it's. I mean, like I said, it's not a long read, but it is a very no, good read. And, and it's a good read. Yes. And especially for our younger children, who are not getting an idea of mm -hmm. their own country, this is a good book to have. Mm -hmm. And for those who call themselves Caymanians, they should also have this. Mm -hmm. so that when they hear us speak, they'll have an idea what we're talking about. Yep. 
And I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that I, I have a lot to learn. That's why I'm always willing to listen. Yes. And unfortunately, you were absent um, during the time that these things were actually being taught in the schools. Mm -hmm. Because believe it or not, it used to be, okay? Mm -hmm. When we had Caymanian teachers, they taught us about our history. Mm -hmm. And see, that's, that's where our children are being really, really disenfranchised because the teachers come from everywhere else except Cayman. And I keep saying that I don't really care who this offends. They don't care about our children. It doesn't matter to them mm -hmm. what they turn out to be, okay? But our Caymanian teachers cared about us because we were a byproduct of them. Mm -hmm. So, Yep. Absolutely. And and speaking of that, this is a good mm -hmm. opportunity. Thank you so much, Carla. I really appreciate those comments. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a good opportunity. And somebody asked me to share the link. So although the book is not available right now on Amazon, I have shared it because I think that it's worth um, even bookmarking on Amazon. In the event that it becomes available in the future, you can grab yourself a copy because like I said, um, very, very good. And a big shout out for the other book, the, the Turtling History book. That one is much bigger, much more comprehensive as well, focusing on the turtling. Um, let me share this one also, because I did see that one just now on Amazon. But you know what? You don't have to order this from Amazon because this one's available, readily available locally. So when I was interviewing Miss Susie Soto the other day, um, she gave me a copy of this one. So let me get this now. And some of these books you can get, like the Southwell years and stuff, you can get from um, the Siemens Association. So they have books for sale there. And the beauty of um, them having books for sale is you're also supporting them. They always do little calendars and books and stuff. And that's one way of supporting the Seafarers um, Association. So this one is a history of turtlers and schooners in the um, of the Cayman Islands. And this book is um, quite comprehensive. Look at this. I mean, it, it's heavy and it's a beautiful book. Lots and lots of photos and um, everything about our turtling history and schooners and uh, just absolutely beautiful. So Miss Susie Soto gave me a copy. Um, which she signed for me. Thank you, Miss Susie. And then in addition to that, see some of her, some of her Caymanian faces there of her men who were turtlers and stuff, right? And in addition to that, um, the, uh, my uncle Rennie Barnes also gave me a copy for my birthday, like the same week practically, which I thought was kind of funny. So I now have two copies of this. And let me tell you, you want to get yourself a copy. So it's so interesting, you know, um, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, we had some visitors here. Marlon's cousins were visiting from, um, from Tampa and Dr. Um, Gidari, who's his cousin, he's an educator and he actually teaches remotely at the, at ICCI. He was saying to me, he's like, you know, Sandy, do you notice that Caymanians, you guys like have a certain look? And I was like, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? We have a certain look. And he's like, yeah, all of you kind of look alike in a way. And I mean, I guess as an outsider, he sees something that we don't see about our uniqueness as a small Island. He goes, he's like, yeah, like you can look at someone and kind of tell that they're a Caymanian. 
you know, he picked up on it. And I thought it was a very interesting comment um, for him to make. But when I look at the pictures here of these seamen, I can kind of see what he's talking about a little bit. You know, there are variations, of course, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, you can look at these old time men and kind of see which one, which one's a Caymanian. They're all Caymanian faces here, but you know, you can say, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a Caymanian right there for you. So, um, you know, I, sometimes I feel like long gone are the day, days when you can look at someone and tell who they fall just by looking at them. Um, the other day I went up by Ozzy's place there in Baden town cause he serves lunch and stuff during the week. So I stopped by there to grab something and there was a lady there. She says, um, she says, miss, you look like you related to the miles, you know, like people can look at you and tell, you know, if you're from a certain part of Georgetown, you related to this one or that one. And there's definitely people who very much look the same. They really do look like their ancestors and stuff. Right. And so this is another amazing book that if you don't have it, I would definitely recommend. This one does our history through the turtlers and the schooners. And it is just absolutely amazing. And there's one letter in here that Miss Susie um, read. And here's one story about Miss, um, let me see now. This is Miss Sati Adams, who was one of the first female captains to sail the world and how that is all connected to the Cayman Islands, because, you know, they came here. Um, there was the Fairweather, which was the last Caymanian schooner and at Goldfield. And so this reminded me that a gentleman here now in the Cayman Islands by the name of Paul Deegs is actually working on a project. And so I want to share this with you because this is an amazing project if he can get it completed and actually get it off the ground, in fact. So I'm going to share that video clip here with you guys in just a second. But, you know, our forefathers have lived an amazing life and they were able to travel and see things and do things that I feel like now we would never have the opportunity to do. But we can know that part of our history. And, um, you know, here's the famous Symboco, for example, Cayman Islands Motorboat Company. And it talks about what the Symboco was, the lifeline of the Cayman Islands is a statement declared by many a Caymanian. And so, again, the thing I love about this book is this does have a lot of photos and a lot of pictures and stuff in it. The Iron and Iron Man, Captain Herbert Atwood, Bertie Bodden, and talking about his, um, his life and stuff as well. He died in 1958. So share these, these stories, folks, with your children so that they know our history it's probably not going to be the case that they're going to learn it in school. I see everybody is saying that, you know, we should have these available in our schools. And I agree. But as a Caymanian parent, even if you're one of, you know, only the one Caymanian parents, in other words, the other one is maybe from somewhere else, you have an obligation to do your part to teach your Caymanian children about their own history. Yes, it would be great if the schools could do it, but God knows they're probably so busy trying to teach them. I don't know what artificial intelligence to get ready for this new world that we're living in. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with you taking the time to read this. So my daughter's like really into bedtime stories every night. She's like, oh, can I get a bedtime story tonight? And instead of me, you know, some of it might be a little bit mature for her at the age of seven. But 
um, I think soon I'm going to start introducing some of these stories about our Caymanian history as part of her bedtime story. So here's one about the Brack entrepreneurial spirit. Um, Amy Foster Kerkernel uh, talking about Taylor Foster, Brack turtling, you know, all these things are amazing. And this is where your kids are going to go, well, mommy, what's turtling? I don't even know what that means. And then that opens up a conversation uh, opportunity for you to have a conversation with your children to learn all of these amazing aspects of our history and who we are. So um, good morning to Shaka says, amen. Um, Siobhan says, well, I'm told I'm not Caymanian because I don't have the accent, but I'm here. I was born here. <laughs> Jerry says, ah, my papa Mervyn Ebanks is in that picture. Look at that. Uh, Miss Ann says, yes, and our mannerisms are distinct as well. Shaka Zula says that Caymanian recognition aspect helps out in Miami for sure. <laughs> Um, so Melinda, I have posted the link there of um, that one. Unfortunately, it says not available, but hopefully they'll have more available. Um, Donnie says people applying for PR have to study all of that. Very interesting. Really? Mm, honey, chill. I don't know how much of that studying they're doing. I thought they were just giving PR away because <laughs> they don't seem to know nothing about key man history. Not at all. Um... Ms. Ann says Cayman Adventures was Ed and Barbara Oliver. That was a long time ago. Ms. Dorothy enjoying the show this morning. She says, beautiful show this morning. All right. So sit back and um, listen to this little snippet of this, what I think is a massive undertaking. The ways that you can help, because of course these things cost money. It's not cheap to try to rebuild ships or to build even replicas of these historical schooners. But sit back and listen to at least what one resident of the Cayman Islands is attempting to do to bring a little bit of our history back to life. Hi, my name is Paul Deegan. I am the original director founder of the Fairweather Foundation, which is the foundation responsible for bringing the last ever Caymanian built sailing schooner still floating in the world, back to the Cayman Islands. I come from a very, very small uh, shipping port in the southeast of Ireland called New Ross. And our claim to fame in New Ross, it's where all the Kennedys originated from. That's the Kennedys of the JFK fame. And I basically was avidly involved with the local boat club, uh, sailing club, the diving club. Um, I learned to sail when I was four years of age. Um, we have built a replica of the boat that brought the Kennedys to the States, um, all to do with maritime history, heritage, culture. And I've always had an interest in, in maritime history and heritage. I moved to Grand Cayman um, in February of 95 uh, for two weeks vacation. Ended up falling in love with the country and the people. And what became like a two-week vacation has almost turned into a 30-year love story. Coming from a small island of Ireland to even a smaller island of Grand Cayman, I kind of wondered, what am I doing? But after meeting the people and enjoying the scuba diving and the friendship and the hospitality, I just fell in love with, with the Cayman Islands. Um, I was lucky in the first two weeks that I was here that I was able to visit Little Cayman and Cayman Brack 
And if Grand Cayman wasn't enough, by adding in those two extra beautiful islands, um, it was just enough for me to say, right, let's just give this a shot for a year. And that year has turned into almost 30. So I own a number of small water sports businesses um, on Grand Cayman and Little Cayman. And during COVID, uh, we were locked down um, for approximately two years with, with no or very little business. So I had a lot of extra spare time on my hands. As I searched the internet for different projects and different ideas, um, I came across this boat, the this, this Spanish website. And basically it was a boat of a, a schooner, which had very, very similar lines to our Cayman schooners. And when I researched the site, I found that this boat was in fact uh, called La Bella Lola, um, was in fact originally Fairweather. And how I know that is they had a little bit of history on their website of the origins of the boat. And I basically went to the National Archives armed with that little bit of information and managed to track down the whole story and history of Fairweather, where, when she was built, where she was built, who built her. I discovered that this boat, La Bella Lola, was in fact Fairweather, which was built in 1950. And she was basically built by Cappy Foster um, from Cayman Brack, along with his son, Berkeley. Once the boat was launched in 1950, she was used as a private sailboat, she was used as a fishing boat, she was converted back to a private sailboat again, and then she was sold to a family called the Adams Family from California. The matriarch of the Adams Family was Sooty Adams, and she decided it was a great idea to take a boat and sail it around the world with her family with absolutely zero sailing experience. Three years, 104 different ports, she successfully completed and circumnavigated the globe. And she's accredited with being the first female boat captain to actually do so. When she actually did this amazing feat, she uh, sold the boat to an American adventurer who tried to replicate it. And basically he got two thirds of the way around the globe and essentially ran out of money. The boat was in need of repair. He uh, basically abandoned the boat in Spain in the late 70s, early 80s. And there she lay to rot um, for a period of time before a new owner managed to get her and save her from, from the scrap heap. And he in turn brought Fairweather back to her original um, amazing lines shape. And I believe it was May of 2022 that I traveled out there with uh, two associates of mine. And basically we took Fairweather, La Bella Lola, out for a sale checked her over and we took her out for a survey and it was then that we decided that this was in fact Fairweather. We knew that we had to save her. She was the last ever Comanion built sailing schooner that's still floating in the world. So she is the missing link of our Cayman maritime heritage and culture. His family were his crew and his, his family had, had moved on, they'd grown up, they got married, had kids. Um, so he didn't have as much opportunity to take Fairweather um, out sailing. So as we all know, boats left unattended basically don't do so, so well. We decided that we would purchase Fairweather because she was falling into disrepair. Um, she needed an awful lot of TLC. So we immediately put plans into place and we purchased her and then we arranged for her transport to a boatyard in the United Kingdom. who were going to do a complete refit of her to enable her to make her way safely back to the Cayman Islands, hopefully this time next year, sometime in 2024, just in time for her 
75th anniversary, which will be 2025. As an avid history buff, um, and I know history repeats itself, but in other cases, history can't repeat itself. And Fairweather is a piece of Cayman history. She is the last ever Caymanian sailing schooner still floating in the world. Once she's gone, she's gone, and there will be no more. With the Fairweather Foundation, our plan is to educate the children in both the private and the public schools about the Caymanian seafaring heritage, why their forefathers went away to sea um, for years at a time to bring back money so that families could survive and prosper here in the Cayman Islands. Once the online module is complete, we will then bring them on board and we will teach them how to sail, how to tie knots, how to read charts, how to do celestial navigation. We are also going to sail fair weather between the sister islands with the students to give them a more authentic experience of sailing a Cayman schooner just like their forefathers. The primary objective of Fairweather is educational for the kids, but with any educational program or any program, we need funds to survive. So with that in mind, we are going to offer Fairweather for private charters. So if you have a small corporate event or a small wedding or you want to do a birthday sunset sale, Fairweather will be available for charter. We have Fairweather in a limited company just for the ease of legalese, but eventually we hope to transfer that company fully into the Fairweather Foundation, which is a non-for-profit organization. So essentially, Fairweather will be owned by the people of the Cayman Islands. Currently, Fairweather is in Gloucester in the UK, undergoing a major refit. Uh, we hope to have this refit complete uh, by 2025, just in time for her 75th anniversary. The reason we've done this is we do not have the facilities to restore a wooden sailing vessel of this magnitude and historical importance to Cayman. Up until now, we have been using our own funds to fund this venture. Now, we are asking the people of the Cayman Islands, the corporate entities that call the Cayman Islands home, to donate to this absolutely worthwhile project. Please get in touch with us find out about our amazing sponsorship packages by emailing us at info at fairweather.ky. This is your opportunity to guarantee a piece of Cayman's history for our future generations. Please help us by donating. Oh, sorry, forgot to unmute myself. I was saying thanks to Paul and everybody else involved in that project who's trying to bring that last um, schooner home because it's an amazing project. And I know that he has put in a lot of his own personal funds into getting it to this stage, but it's going to take um, much more money to complete the project and to get it done so that she can come home. So um, contact them, please. And, um, you know, see exactly what it is that you can do. Um, to assist in, in any way. Someone was asking us to share it on YouTube and Facebook separately. We will definitely do that so that you guys um, can continue to do so as well. So lots of, um, you know, people commenting 
on these historical books, some people wanting to get copies. Because Brenda was just as surprised as I was. She says there's a study for PR, honey child. We have to wonder if that's really the case because a lot of these people around here, they don't even know how to pronounce K-Man properly, much less know anything about our history, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabby says, you imagine not even a born Caymanian and more interested in protecting our history than most Caymanians. Um, you know, it's it's whatever it takes, Gabby, <laughs> is how I kind of see it now. Um, someone doesn't necessarily have to be a born Caymanian to love this country. In fact, I'll tell you that on occasion, I have found some born Caymanians who destroy and pillage and rape this country and destroy it more than people who come here who are like, wow, I wish I had this where I'm coming from. And they have a desire to try to, um, you know, protect that. So whoever and whatever it takes to make Cayman, uh, I hate to say, use the term from <laughs> anything from Donald Trump, but to make Cayman great again, you know, forward, onwards and upwards. Um Charles says, um, Sandy, I read some historical papers that Steve McField has in his office, which reads that we once had 1,650 um, people, I'm assuming, people in the Cayman Islands, and 900 of them were slaves. So we were talking about this morning, the, the back in the, what year was that? It was a 50-50 split, well, 60-50 split of slaves. Um, and that paper also tells us the names of families that were paid for the loss of their slaves by the British. Slavery was an act of absolute evil, and this is why most of us were born into poverty. Remember that those who try to temper down its effects on us as a people were still living the consequences, absolutely, without a doubt. And, you know, we, you know, this isn't really today's conversation, to be honest. None of it was, but sometimes I believe in just going with the flow, and you're meant to be right where you are, and we're meant to be having this amazing conversation, but there is a reason um, why certain names, certain family names in this country are the merchant class and why certain others are not. Because, you know, those families came from the slave owning um, communities and they always had a bit of an upper hand. So um, even if they were poor, they still had opportunities that were presented to them um, by way of education and otherwise that unfortunately was not always equal for everyone. Um, you know, the Cayman histor- uh, history and our culture, I think is, is amazing and unique in so many ways. But yes, those are some of the struggles that our people have equally had to endure. So, um, uh, Salvin says, even charters by cruise ship passengers and charge a minimum, charge a premium with miniature models for sale too, to help with the longevity of the project. Um, Sandra says, thanks. Thank you, Mr. Paul. This is awesome. Thank you. Um, absolutely. So contact that organization. We'll reshare the link in the video again on social media so that you can share just that clip with others and uh, spread the word. Okay. All right. So let's talk about COVID for a little bit. We've got about an hour left in the program. So COVID is um, didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know if you guys thought that it did, but it hasn't gone anywhere. But what we have seen recently is a bit of a um, 
increase, if you will, in the numbers of people who are infected. So for example, Jill Biden is dealing with it again. I think this is her second go around now of having um, tested COVID positive. She is 72 years old, by the way. She looks pretty decent for 72. She's experiencing mild symptoms. Of course, if you um, are older, that's one of the risk factors, just age. So you've got to be concerned. And uh, it was just saying a day ago, the Telegraph announced that Joe Biden was threatening mask mandates again. Um, so I don't know that that's going to happen. But what I can tell you is even here in the Cayman Islands, we've seen an influx of COVID cases. So 9362626, by the way, is the telephone number. What happens with school? You know, during the summer, everybody is out. People are traveling all over the world and COVID numbers started to increase in the U.S. In the last month or so, there was a spike and um, it continued, I think, to, to increase and the death toll is still very much there. It's not what it was at the height of the pandemic, but people are still dying from COVID, right? So let's not forget that that is an actual um, reality. And even the U.S. News shared the top uh, COVID-19 hotspots in the U.S. right now, looking at the numbers per capita. By the way, the state of Florida has a number of hotspots um, of infections and hospitalizations. So the areas with the hottest infection rates are um, Florida, by state, it's Hawaii, Florida, saw their highest rates of COVID-19 hospitalizations at 9.8 and 9.7 per 100,000 respectively. That's more than twice the national average. Caymanians are in and out of Florida all the time, especially during the summer months. Then we've got Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, also coming in uh, with fairly high numbers. Um, 15,000 reported hospitalizations over the seven days ending August the 19th. Obviously, you know, this is not the height of the pandemic when they had some ugh, ridiculous numbers at that time. But the hospitalization rates are um, increasing and they continue to rise week after week based again on data being collected by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You have to um, be cognizant of that and still practice the things that helped social distancing. Um, I still see some people when they travel in the airports wearing a mask in the airport. Um, and I think you know, if you're traveling and you know you're around a lot of people from all over the world, that's probably not a bad idea. In the Cayman Islands, um, by the way, let me say this. Since the U.S. passed the 1 million cumulative deaths tied to COVID-19 in the spring of 2022, more than 138,000 additional people have died in connection with the disease. And this is according to... <clears throat> provisional data from the um, CDC. And again, that is certainly <clears throat> a reduction from the peak numbers of about 3,900 deaths in a week that they had uh, way back in January. Um, and then well below the maximum peak, which is 26,000 deaths per week in early 2021. So we're not where we were. 
but we're also um, never going to be where we were pre-COVID. So COVID is something that when we talk about the fact that we're going to have to live with it, it literally means that it's here to stay. It's not going away. The numbers are what they are. And, um, you know, life expectancy rates and so on in the United States and around the world have been impacted as a result of this disease. Recently, there was a young lady who died. A lot of you saw that she died. Um, She was a government worker. And you guys were asking, oh, my God, what happened to her? Well, I think she had an autoimmune situation going on, which obviously compromises your health. But on top of that, there are rumors that she had actually caught COVID on top of it. And anything that you have, whether you have lupus, you have high blood pressure, you're overweight, um, which a lot of us are, you're obese, you know, those things are one of many possible um, comorbidities that puts you at high risk when you have COVID. Now, listen, we have a lot of things in our arsenal now. We've got the antivirals that once you know you're positive, you can start taking a course of those. I've had uh, one infection so far. And, um, you know, I have a couple comorbidities. I have high blood pressure. And yes, I'm fat and overweight. That's me over here. Living my best fat life. Thank you very much. And so those are probably the only two comorbidities that I'm aware of that I have. Um, so, you know, right away, I started the course of antiviral medication to try to lessen the impact of um, the, the sickness. And it was turned out to be, you know, a pretty unusual kind of flu-like kind of thing that lingered <clears throat> for quite some time. So, you know, washing of your hands, social distancing where you can, still not going to big parties where you're going to have all these people coughing and hacking all over you is probably still a pretty good idea. Um, I think why we're seeing the spike now is simply because it's that time of year. School has restarted. People, including teachers and students, would have been traveling all over the world, and here they are, they're back. Now, I'm hearing that some 10 teachers, and I mean, I I didn't even know they had 10 teachers on coming back between the two primary schools. That sounds like the whole school to me. But of course, education ministry and department hasn't said anything. So if first sources tell us 10, all we can do is tell you, well, our sources told us 10. If it's eight or nine or 12, it'd be great if we could get some official statement from the education department or the ministry to say what's really going on, particularly in Cayman Brack. But there's definitely a resurgence of COVID infections. And we also have to contemplate and consider the fact that we import a lot of our teachers And so when you're importing 100 plus people from overseas, from areas where COVID is still rampant, like everywhere else in the world, still raging and whatever, uh, maybe we need to have a plan of action as it relates to teachers returning from overseas, right? I suspect that there's a better way to deal with this in light of this communicable disease that actually isn't going anywhere. And what I mean by that is what you do is you tell your teachers, right, you're coming back, say, school starts September the 1st or August the 31st or whatever. You put a stipulation in place where they have to be on island at least two and a half to three weeks before the start of school. So that if they come down positive with COVID, there's that incubation period where they can still pretty much isolate and stay home and hopefully get it out of their system before returning to the classroom. So say three weeks, Then you do mandatory testing of teachers. They've got to provide you with a COVID negative test upon their arrival. And then a week after, 
because there is that period of time where they could very well have it and not know that they have it when they've just come from overseas. So within a week, do another test, you know, send in your test results or make them all go to, you know, every school, test your, your um, school administrators, your teachers, everybody, before you put them back in the classroom with our kids. I think that that's where a lot of these infection rates that we're seeing now across all of the schools, because even Clifton Hunter parents reached out and said, Sandy, you know, what, what's going on? What's the government doing? You know, I think the the panic mode is over. Remember during COVID, how we would report every single infection. It's like, okay, Foster's cashier just tested positive. Oh my God. We were all in like this hyper overreactive sensitive mode, right? We passed that now, right? Most people have had it. You know, I ran into someone recently. Who was that? who'd never had COVID yet and they just got it. I was like, what? All these years later, girl, you're like the last of the Mohicans. Even me. I mean, I got it last year. That was still pretty late in the day. So I want to remind you folks that the vaccine, and I know some of y'all anti-vaxxers are rolling your eyes. You can roll your eyes all you want. The vaccine has saved a lot of lives. And it continues to save lives. And I've had my three shots in December will be my year. I will do a booster in December again. Uh, by then, hopefully the U.S. and the HSA will have um, the latest variants available. And yes, I'm going to, if I have to get a booster every year, I don't traditionally take the flu vaccine, but I did do it last year. You know, as I get older now, I've got to start thinking that my, or understanding that my immune system really isn't what it used to be. And so I've got to give myself extra protection. I've been vaccinated against all sorts of other stuff, you know, inoculated against, you know, I don't know, whatever they inoculated us as kids with, and we didn't even know. Um, so yes, uh, most definitely I will continue to do so. I've had no side effects whatsoever um, from the vaccine. Um, here's another article just five hours ago. It says as COVID variant Parola gathers pace, health ministries, mums, and plans to fend off. So I, I've noticed recently that my, my computer thinks I'm in the UK. I don't, know, I don't know why this is. Language and regions, it says United States, but it keeps, keeps giving me all this UK news. Not that I'm against it, but why? Eh. Y'all know I prefer my American stuff. But anyway, um, COVID-19 hospitalizations are on the rise. So these are some of the headlines that are trending. Um, right now. And um, so, yeah, this is, this is reality of it. And this is going to be, you know, our ongoing reality. It's going to have its peaks and valleys and, you know, and you have just got to be prepared folks, be prepared. Um, please do your best to protect yourself as much as possible. Uh, Reuters 21 hours ago, do I need to worry about COVID again is the headline for this one. And it says that new data and vaccine makers Moderna and Pfizer and uh, mm -hmm. suggest that a newer, highly mutated variant of the virus that causes COVID-19 is not as alarming as some experts had feared when it was first detected several weeks ago. This one is nicknamed Periola um, on social media. It's the BA 2.86 Omicron subvariant, and it's being tracked by both the World Health Organization and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So the question is, what's new about uh, COVID? 
So COVID infections and hospitalizations have been rising in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, as well as, um, but are well below, sorry, previous peaks. The U.S. hospitalization growth rate in three consecutive weeks in August um, showed this steady increase with the week ending August the 26th. So as of August the 30th, the CDC said that CDC said that this particular variant um, was detected in at least four United States, four U.S. states, in people um, or in the wastewater because they actually test the wastewater because believe it or not, that's a good way to test for a lot of diseases because it ends up in fecal matter and whatever. You figure it out how it gets in the wastewater, right? So um, Delaware on Tuesday so that it had actually detected it in a hospital. And the World Health Organization has reported finding it in at least six countries around the world. So no doubt if it's not in Cayman yet, it will soon be here. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that um, according to CDC data, the EG.5 subvariant, which is a descendant of the Omicron lineage nicknamed Iris on social media, originally emerged in, in November, sorry, of 2021. That still accounts for about a fifth of current U.S. COVID cases. And then they have other ones. There's one variant nicknamed Fornax. Um, that's the next largest at 14.5% of U.S. infections and represents a growing share of the East Coast COVID numbers. So a couple variants out there floating around this current one currently represents less than 1% of the population. So Mr. David Dowdy, who's an infectious disease epidemiologist at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, says that this uh, FL 1.51 variant will become the predominant COVID variant in the coming months, but he doesn't expect an infection wave that we saw that was driven, for example, by Omicron last winter. So for the new one now, which is the 2.86, or you can't keep up with all these numbers, um, basically they're just keeping an eye on it and they're tracking it. They say that it carries more than 35 mutations in key portions of the virus compared to the dominant one, um, which was linked to the Omicron, and the dramatic changes, which are on par with the genetic shift seen in the Omicron variant, compared to its Delta predecessor, um, predecessor, raised concerns that the new variant could cause a major surge. So at this point, I think they're just going to wait and see. But, you know, they've been doing some testing in independent laboratories. And basically, they're saying that, um, you know, that that might be unlikely. So we'll see. Still a lot of things very much in, up in the air. Um, will vaccines protect against new variants? So that's, of course, the big question. And the response is um, newly updated vaccines will raise antibody responses to some extent against all of the currently circulating variants, including this BA 2.86. Moderna on Wednesday said that they're doing clinical data. They have clinical data, sorry that showed that its retooled COVID vaccine generated nearly a nine-fold increase in human antibodies that can neutralize this new variant as well. 
Pfizer on the heels of that said that they've updated their COVID shot, showed neutralizing activity against it. Um, and of course they have been doing, uh, you know, studies conducted on mice, not in the humans for that. And the updated shots are being reviewed by the U S drug and, uh, food and drug administration are expected to be available potentially this month. So if you want to get vaccinated, the option is still there for you to do so. I mean, we're going to be traveling here shortly next month, in fact, and, um, you know, since I had my vaccine booster in December, I wasn't planning on getting um, vaccinated, but I was just saying to my husband last night that um, he should get vaccinated because he didn't do, he did two, but he had, didn't do his third booster. So I think ahead of this um, trip overseas, this would be a good time for him to probably get his booster. I'm, I might even consider getting it a little bit early. I should probably talk to somebody, an expert about that. So um, the respiratory virus, the one that was in young children, is also in the increase again with children returning to school. So that's the RSV. So the activity, especially in the southeastern U.S., is increasing. So the CDC has warned against that to remind parents to, as much as possible, try to remain vigilant for this respiratory syncytial virus. Um, again, numbers increase children. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's there, it's not going away. Um, I know somebody messaged me yesterday and they said all three people in my household have it now. Um, do, do the right thing. Stay home. Once you know that you have it, isolate, don't be going to school. Don't be sending your kids to school. Uh, when they're sick, um, continue to test. Testing is readily, the testing kits are still readily available. They came down significantly in price. So, um, you know, please see what you can do um, about that. So, um, and here's the unfortunate thing now is although the FDA is probably going to be green lighting the COVID booster soon, um, it's coming to the point now where the governments are saying that they can't continue to pay for it that you, the people, are going to have to start paying for these vaccines yourself if you want them. You know, it was a public health, a severe public health concern at the height of the pandemic where the governments were making it free. The good news is here in the Cayman Islands, I suspect, <coughs> sorry, that it will continue to be free for us. The Health Services Authority um, is obviously you know, making it available. And they still have a, um, I'm trying to look at their website real quick. They still have um, their, let me see here, their um, booster and vaccination clinic. So I'm just trying to see if I can find the clinic. I'll let you guys know. Oh, I don't see the schedule. I'll see if I can find the schedule and I'll post it up for you guys. Um, yeah, so there was an article about them offering it seasonally. So um, let me just see. Do they have anything that's on now? Um, so I'll, I'll find out because I'm not sure. Uh so they were going to do it more like in line with the annual flu vaccines. Mm. 
but I'll try to find out if they'll have anything now that there's a little bit of an increase. Maybe they can do a little um, boost or something. But um, I'll get some information on that for you and let you guys know. Um, there should be places that still have it available for you to get should you want to do so. Eh, what you going to do? Keep the kids home when they're sick. Um, stay home with them and just try to ride it out if you can, honey chill. Um, you know, I'm so glad that we have passed the days when everyone was a bit up in arms and there was so much uh, animosity and hostility with the whole COVID vaccine situation. Some people still feel very, very strongly about it. If you still feel strongly about it, just don't take it. I mean, you know, ultimately, although the community at large um, is impacted by people who refuse to get vaccinated, I think you yourself will be the one who will feel the brunt of it if it ever comes to that. And there have been people who regretted not getting vaccinated, but by that point it was too late. You know, if you're on your deathbed, we can't vaccinate you then. It is what it is. So here's a little snippet again of what's happening around the world in terms of COVID. FDA officials are meeting tomorrow to consider new COVID-19 booster shots. The booster is designed to target the new Omicron subvariant. Experts have flagged as a potential problem. Officials say it is also effective against the variants circulating right now. And this will be the first shot not covered by the federal government since the pandemic started. And many doctors now stressing the need for new vaccines as COVID hospitalizations are jumping to double digits each week. CDC officials advise staying up to date on vaccines, improving indoor ventilation and getting tested when it's needed. And of course, staying home when you're sick. They also say the elderly and people with compromised health may want to consider wearing masks in public. As long as we use these layers of tools, I think we are in a better position than we have been before. The CDC is also encouraging people to get flu shots this fall with a new ad campaign saying the vaccine can turn the virus from, quote, wild to mild. All right, there you have it from wild to mild. Um, Shaka Zulu says, am I on a VPN? No, I'm actually not. I'm just on a flow network. So, oh, oh yes, thank you. I'm gonna come to that. Mm -hmm. Hold on one second. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Morning, Sandra. Now that you're talking about the COVID and the teachers, can mm -hmm. you please give us an update or give me an update on what's happening at Prospect Primary with the kicking? Because my daughter attends there. Thank yes. You. Um, thank you so much, caller. I'm actually going to be waiting until Monday to give that update because I'm still speaking to a few parents. Um, some people have been very, very silent, so it's taken a little bit of digging to get some of this uh, information out into the public domain. But you guys know me. I'm worse than a dog with a bone, child. I'm worse than Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to keep digging till I get to something. So um, tune in probably Monday. I think we'll have more of a viable update for you guys on that front. Someone just mentioned, Sandy, since you mentioned ventilation um, as being one of the critical things that is needed um, to stay off uh, COVID, uh, think about the schools such as Clifton Hunter that do not have um, any proper ventilation. That school was designed with no windows that can open, folks. Not a bit of fresh air can come into that school. You know, 
the government would have spent some good money over the summer had they actually replaced one or two of those windows. Ah, seriously. We need, I mean, if the COVID pandemic didn't teach us anything, it should teach us that we need to be opening up these windows and getting some fresh air flowing through your house. Open up the sliding glass door. And I get it because, quite frankly, most of the windows in my house, when I tried to open them during COVID, child, they were like stuck, like they didn't even want to open. Um, but, you know, open, open the, the we, we got one door in the back that can open. It's got a security mesh door on it. Open that. Let that stay open during the day. Folks, get some fresh air in your life. It's good for you. Now, um, Clifton Hunter. Department of Education, because I, I understand that y'all be listening to the program, although you don't ever want to answer anybody's calls and you don't want to take no real questions. I'm told that, Sandy, trust me, they listen. You need to do something about the moldy carpet that was created in that school because of the non-working air conditioning. We're not going to let this go until we hear that you've actually done something about it. Because, again, it is making our children sick. They're getting respiratory illnesses. Some of these children already have compromised immune systems with asthma and other things. And it's unacceptable that they should be able or should be exposed to mold and mold spores because you do know that mold can actually kill you, right? Those spores get in your lungs. And especially if you have a compromised immunity, that could lead to your death. Now, Ms. Juliana, mm -hmm, madam, I know that you don't want this on your conscience so please, you need to talk to your public works people and whoever else is responsible for this and kindly ask them to remove the carpet, replace the carpet, whatever it is that they need to do. I don't think they can clean that mold out of the carpet at this point. It looks like they need to replace it. Caller, good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy Dexter here. Mm -hmm. uh, hot topic this morning. Thank you, my uh, dear. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. Politicians are all about getting numbers at the election time. But after they're elected, they don't do what they're supposed to do for the people. Hmm. You know, I mean, what, what, what were they doing in the summer? They should have put some windows in that place. Uh, that's what I'm saying. They had the time to do it, right? And got, and got dirty carpets. Nobody even used carpets anymore. Mm -hmm. But you know what happened? Again, poor design of that school. I don't know who made them, hoodwinked them into thinking that this was such a great fandangling idea. But, but because the school is so open, the only way they could cushion the sound, because the children can't even learn properly in this open format of a school, because they don't have proper classrooms, right? So the only way that they could help to cushion some of the sound is to put down carpet. So the carpet is there to help with soundproofing and sound cushioning, um, so that the children are not easily distracted. If you go, if you go to a recording studios, you get the carpet on the floor. You get the carpet on mm -hmm. the walls to keep down the sound. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it is so sad. But you know, it, it, politicians go in like virgins and come out like whores because <laughs> no, I'm serious. They, they, they go in there with good intentions, and then mm -hmm. they see somebody. In, yes, in, uh, but let, let's be clear now. A lot of them weren't virgins when they went in. They had tried. They were pretending. <laughs> <laughs> they were wearing the frocks down to their knees, but they were pretending. 
everything already done been underneath them for oxygen. Shake a couple of dollars in front of them, and they're gonna change, they're gonna make mm -hmm. that change for 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 their own pockets. Mm -hmm. um, coming back to the uh, history of the Cayman Islands, mm -hmm. I'm originally from Cayman Brack, mm -hmm. and I ate more seafood. I remember when seafood was a, a poor man's meal, and chicken and and beef was a rich man's meal in Cayman Brack. The thing about it is we never had in Kim and Bright, we never had the privilege of of um of getting turtle meat as frequently as it was in Grand Cayman. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So I, I differ from about oh well, well the Kim and Allen's national dish mm -hmm. is um is the turtle meat. Mm. We only ate turtle meat when a couple of boats they uh, turtle ra rangers or whatever you want to come turtle boats would come in the Cayman back on the way the grind came in. Mm -hmm. But we never had we never had the privilege and, and occasionally get fishermen catching a turtle. My stepfather, he was one one of the best fishermen in in on the island. Mm -hmm. And he would uh, he would set up a net. I remember him um it, it putting uh, uh we call it the one that looked like a pyramid a trap net mm -hmm. and and he couldn't get the turtle um that day he went back the following day and that turtle was almost dead of course but he, but mm. he managed to get him out mm. and people would 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 come around trying to get a little piece of turtle meat so turtle turtle uh we um our national dish in Cayman back is the Cayman fish stew we had, we, my grandmother was one of the best. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was one of the best cooks mm -hmm. in the island. And how she prepared her, her, um, her fish too. She would always make sure that her fish was seasoned with hot pepper. And she would always make sure that she would boil the coconut milk. She never put she never put her coconut uh, the fish in the um uh, the coconut milk as she put it in there she would let it come to a boil and then she she would put the corn the um bread kind you don't hear that word too many mm -hmm, times mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then when that's almost cooked then she'd put in her uh, fish, and then when the fish is almost cooked, then she put in her cornmeal dumplings. Mm -hmm. she, she she did not like to do um, uh, uh, flour dumplings. She always did cornmeal dumplings. Mm -hmm. And another another issue about the alligators and crocodiles. Sandy, has anybody ever thought? My sister Heather mentioned this to me. She says. We never had as many alligators or crocodiles mm -hmm. that they said we had. If if there was if the crocodiles uh, population died out because the the turtles were nowhere more around, what happened to the skeletal remains with all the excavation? You can't tell me that you can't find a, a, a skeletal remain of an alligator or crocodile. Mm -hmm. And Personally, I think the what what 
uh, they saw was the Cayman blue iguanas. They can get they can get over six feet long mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and stand high, mm-hmm. and that is what the, what the uh, when they rediscovered because Christopher Columbus never rediscovered never discovered us. You know, when he came here, he was trading with somebody who he was trading with. Mm-hmm. If he if he, he rediscovered it, and and they they and he traded. So the alligators and crocodiles, we never had that plan. They were not plentiful. So mm-hmm. I don't know who come up with that idea. Hmm. Well. But, you know, with all the excavation, Sandy, mm-hmm. somebody should actually be seeing an alligator or crocodile remains, a skeletal remains. But mm-hmm. nobody that I know of, if they have ever found an alligator or crocodile skeletal remains it would be everybody from Timbuktu right down to to England would know about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank and, you, my and, dear. No, people got to get their their facts right. Mm-hmm. I got I don't have much of a short term memory, but I got a hell of a good long term memory. And mm-hmm, I'm seventy six mm-hmm. years of age, and and turtle meat was a rare. Commodity and, and coming back at the time was rare for us to even get turtle meat. So how can how can anybody say that uh, turtle meat was our national dish? I don't know. I think they just well, love turtle. <laughs> well, I can tell you from one coming back to the rest of the coming they can confirm this. Of course, we got turtle meat. But mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not the way that they were getting it here and came and came out. They're coming in every every month with the turtles. You know? mm-hmm. okay. All right, then, Sandy. And another Thank subject, you, darling. Yes, sir. And, and another subject. I hope we're not uh, wasting any time. But I walk the Ashley Tibbets Highway. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes, sir. I walk the Ashley Tibbets Highway from Bottom New Road. And sometimes I, I take my dog up to almost up to the um, yard club mm-hmm. roundabout. And then on the side of the road, mm-hmm. it is disgusting. The government spends all of this money every Christmas. They have every crackhead in the world. I, I don't know about the other side of the island. I'm talking about people from uh, from West Bay. And mm-hmm. they clean up the place. Mm-hmm. Half of them are not doing anything. But nevertheless, they clean up the place. And, and look at it now. I don't understand why government, instead of saying, select maybe 20 people and, give, and continuously give them the job, keep the West Bay Road, Clean instead of giving them a, um, giving them money for free, and and they can't wait to get to like a store in the month. Well, like I said, um, I don't know about jobs, but I think people who are getting NAU benefits need to be earning those benefits. Yeah. So yeah. they 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 claim that they can't find employment. I dare say our government is already the biggest employer in the Cayman Islands. They could employ a few more, like you said, on these projects and make that contribution, $1,200, $2,000, whatever that you're getting from NAU, be your part of the salary that you're getting paid. Do it as a housing yeah. deduction. 
you know, it, so it, we, it, we started, it, we got to stop amazing. giving people free rides all over the place, to be honest. And don't, don't tell me the politicians don't know what is going on. If they don't know what's going on, they need to crawl into a hole and, and, and die. Because the thing about it is this, that every one of them is aware of did they're driving Raspberry Road. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not talking about uh, from the Yacht Club up because I don't want to, I don't go paying attention to that. But when I'm walking, I pay attention walking my dog. Mm-hmm. And I see the amount of garbage that is dumped. People breaking bottles and rest. They, it, and, and another thing that they need to pass a law that every commercial truck that carries garbage, uh, trees, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and those big, um, uh, we call them dump, dump trucks there, that, that um, dumpsters, every one of them should have, it should be mandatory to have a, um, a canvas over the top of them. Boxes mm-hmm. falling out of these trucks. You think these drivers give a damn about anything? Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't care less. But for those that, for the people that are, it, and this not applying to any nationality. If you live in this country, including Caymanians, if you live in this country, treat it with pride and dignity. Mm-hmm. It's your home. Mm-hmm. Stop throwing garbage on the street, throwing beer bottles out and breaking them. People can't even walk. Yeah. Something need, something need to be done. Yep. And well, there, there's a whole littering campaign foot, uh, foot at the moment that really is, is, um, is, is done to, well, it's done to try to educate people, but boy, I tell you, it's a, it's a long haul, but thank you so much, Carl. I appreciate it. And then another thing is that, that I, I thought was amusing. The founder mm-hmm. person dumping a mattress and, and oh, they were all gone home because the, the courts found them $200. What is $200 for mm-hmm. dumping garbage? What they need to do is calculate it and based on what the, the courts, it, the fees, the, the courts has accumulated to bring the case and then charge them twice that amount. All right, caller. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, my dear. 9362626 is the telephone number. So this person has shared that um, there are children at Clifton Hunter who have severe asthma. When they go outside, they're fine. But as soon as they come back inside, they start coughing and they're having issues breathing. They go on to say that they need to take the carpet out of the entire school and replace it with vinyl flooring, which, by the way, apparently they've already done in some classrooms. But um, when they've been asked to do it throughout the school, they're being told that it's going to affect the acoustics of um, the school. So, you know, the suggestion here is to maybe have it in high traffic areas. The carpet should be cleaned every day. They, they come in like um, the airports. That's like when I travel and they're like, oh, take off your shoes and whatever these airports. I'm like, who? Let me get my blue booties, honey chow. Because I tell you what, this carpet never gets clean. This airport is open 24-7. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people a week that travel through these airports. Y'all don't have time to properly clean and disinfect these airports. I'm not putting my foot, even with socks on, on your dirty carpet. Same thing with, with these high schools, man. 
This is absolutely ridiculous. So can we get some movement, please, on the removal of the carpet at Clifton Hunter? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, in relation to the question earlier about the um, Grand Harbor roundabout update, uh, I've gotten confirmation that NRA is going to be coming on the program soon, and that will be one of the updates that they will definitely provide to us. So uh, stay tuned for when they'll be on. Um, so one person says that you want to talk about mold, Sandy? Ask about the mold at the Francis Bodden Children's Home. But people, they're getting sick and the children and workers, and all they do is paint and cover it up. They don't care about the children's health nor the staff, says this person. Wow. No, sir. What a mess. What a heat. Um... So for vaccines, there's currently no COVID vaccines as they're still being offered seasonally, like the flu vaccine. Um, oh, okay. So look like Marlon gonna be out of luck. He would have to go to Miami. So with the resurgence, uh, oh, hmm, interesting. I might have him go to Miami just for the day then and get a vaccine. Because I really feel strongly like he should do it before this trip. And you know me and my goat mouth already, honey chill. You got to listen to that goat mouth these days. Um, hmm. Interesting. So, um. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, so we got somebody complaining about a company not paying them. We'll have a look at that next week, Shell. Lord have mercy, these companies are so ridiculous. Oh, I don't want to pay pension, insurance. Mm, okay, we'll, we'll deal with them. Um, put them on the agenda for next week, my dear. Wow. Okay, let's read some of your online comments. Jonathan, perhaps time limits on call-ins are needed now. Mr. Dexter, I think they're trying to tell you you were going on for a little bit too long, honey chill. Um, it happens. You know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment and you forget how long you were going. And yes, Mr. Dexter, you were talking for 14 minutes and 15 seconds. And I'd have to agree that that's a little bit too long. So what you do is you pick one area that you want to focus in on and you keep it five minutes or less for sure. Even five minutes is a long time, you know. So, um, Magnum, I see and understand your point, and I'm sure Mr. Dexter is still listening, and his time just got away from him. So, we're going to give him some grace this morning. Um, so, yes, Garrett says, I see that needed every day I listen. Lord have mercy. We try, we try not to really control that too much, but point taken and accepted. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Sandy. Oh, geez, I'm peace. Yeah, I, just, I just got your <laughs> advice. <laughs> Maybe I get carried away, but <laughs> I tried to make the point, you know, and, and sometimes I carry it longer than necessary. All right, leave this one, make this one short and sweet. I will. No, I'm not about to call, talk about anything else. Thank, Thank you, you my that. dear. No. All right, appreciate okay. it. Yes. Um, And I did see actually somebody was trying to call when Mr. Dexter was on, but they gave up, honey, jail. 
Let me see who that was. Actually, I'm going to call them back because we don't have toll-free calling. So I know y'all be sitting there using up your little credits. Uh, Everton says, I think from now on, you should put a time limit when someone is calling you. Either give them three or four minutes and that's it. Because if you don't do so to people, we just they will just continue to talk. Meanwhile, other people can't get on the program. That's just me. I think most people are capable of self-regulating themselves. Good morning, caller. Good morning. How you doing, honey, Jill? Good morning, you. Not too bad. Oh, this is my friend from Cayman Brock. Yeah, but I didn't remember what I wanted. What? You were talking about that COVID in, in the Brock, or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> but I don't like mind listening to that gentleman. He's very interesting to listen to. And and many parts on me, wishing we could hear them. Yeah, that's true. And I, I enjoy listening <laughs> to Mr. Dexter as well, to be honest. But yeah. Um, yeah so what do you say going on in the Brack now? The primary schools up here. Um, it's mm -hmm. more to the teachers that 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 getting hit by it. Yeah, that's because they were traveling, right? One or two were traveling, but they come back now and give it to the local ones here. Mm -hmm. Are you hearing? Going on there, the uh -huh. best thing for them to do is shut down the primary schools for a week or two. Well, I was just going to ask that. Are you hearing that there's some that. discussions on the BRAC about shutting it down? And I hear it, but I hope they are discussing it. But they have to because you don't know teachers left. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was wondering the same thing about how many teachers y'all have on the on the little primary schools. Hey, not much more than I figure you have there now. Oh gosh. So, but what are, what are the parents going to do? Who have to work? I don't know, but mm -hmm. yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're gonna do about that, but because mm -hmm. it, it's I'm difficult as a parent when you kind of have your little time planned and you gotta get back to work now. Summer's over, you know, camps are done and whatever. If they don't have a helper, somebody home full time to mind these children. How our grandfathers like my daughter? <laughs> Retired grandfathers. Retired grandfathers like you that can yeah. help out. Oh my goodness! Are you saying that some people regretted not taking the vaccine? Yes, I've heard this. I I I have two. I took two. If they want them, they can take them out of me and get them. <laughs> because I regret taking it. They long gone. They long gone. Why Why do you regret taking it? What did it do to you? I never felt good since. Really? And and please don't let me. I would be longer than Mister Dex if I gotta give you my ailments. Could it be? Let, let me ask you a question now, because there is such a thing as coincidence and time, and we know that you're not getting any younger. Could it just be other things that have been going on in your life that why you're not feeling too hot? Like uh, I mean, you know, you yeah, you, you look like you look right like there. you look like retirement mode, really, taking you to <laughs> next level. I see you in that hammock all day, but you have that yeah. big beautiful dog that you could be walking every day and getting some exercise. I'm getting this big, beautiful bell. I, I know. I, I wasn't going to really tell you, but I see it. <laughs> I don't so, mind it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes we blame things. You know, I was even talking to um, Dr. Pooja, um, this was last year, actually, about um, a woman's cycle, right? And she was saying to me, you know, she said, Sandy, um, there are medications that will interfere with your cycle all the time, really. Um, even living in a house with other women interferes with your cycle. So, of course, medication will. But she said, uh -huh. you know, Sandy, your cycle has a cycle. Every, I think she said five years or 10 years, the, 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 a woman's cycle changes in any event, right? And a lot of people don't even know this because they're not educating themselves about their own biology and the biology of women and all these types of things. So it's so interesting. I think the connections that we 
make to the vaccine versus what is actually happening. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I personally didn't have, other than the sore arm, I didn't have any um, side effects that I've noticed at all. But I also didn't mm-hmm. have any preconceived notions in my head that I would. You see, yeah. that that's my philosophy, even with menopause. I'm, I'm going to sail right through menopause with nothing but positivity. While some uh, women out here like, oh, Sandy, the hot, and I'm not saying that hot flashes are not real and these things are not happening, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to take it on and mentally like, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, in other words. Yeah, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I get a little bit hot sometimes, I'd be like, geez, I'm just hot outside, which it is. Yeah, yeah, I true. feel like temperature is 110. So I'm not going to blame that on menopause. You know, yeah. so I mean, there might be other things that you're blaming on the vaccine that really not got nothing to do with the vaccine. I am willing to bet you, Curtis, uh, if you took off a little 10, 15 pounds, right? Go walk in every day off. with those beautiful dogs. Go walk in with those beautiful dogs, start doing a little Tai Chi because you don't have to. When people talk about exercising, you don't have to go run no marathon to get some exercise. You know, yeah, a, a nice. Listen. Well, train him, put him on a leash. But I mean, you have the bluff. It's so beautiful. You know, you don't have too many drunk drivers there. So you, you go at a proper time in the morning where it's still nice and cool, but not too early because the drunk drivers might be trying to get home. So you wait till they get home. And then, yeah, you go for a nice stroll and a little bit of exercise and, you know, you get yourself moving and you'd be surprised how much better you feel. Yeah, true. But for the record, if I'm on 14 minutes, and you keep it me, not me. <laughs> but Sandra, um, it's something else oh, I need to let merchants know, though. Yes. Because um, I bought a couple of COVID tests uh-huh. from yesterday. And I guess where they had them in the store so long now, the liquid, mm-hmm. is hardly any liquid in them. Ooh, they do expire. So they, Did you check the expiration date? Uh, this one actually said that um, the 12th, the 14th of December, 2023. Uh. But I just did one test and it was uh-huh. hardly any liquid. I'm negative too, though. I hear mm-hmm. phone ringing, though. So you better let me get out of here now. Well, you, t- you you said you took. I think that might be a personal call, but I'll call her back. So you took okay. a test, and it was um, so it was it, negative. It was, mine is negative, but um, it's hardly any liquid now in. Yeah, that might not be good. That comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is this is why you want to make sure you get fresh. And I know on the back, you guys have an issue. Somebody was telling me recently. Oh, Miss Sandy, can you talk about all this expired food? Because they went and bought, I forgot what they said they bought, but it was expired from like 2022. Yeah. So you guys and have an still, issue there with expired foods and stuff. They'll, 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 they'll put it over on the side. Tell mm-hmm. it it's expired and selling it cheaper. Mm. <laughs> yeah, certain things you can't really eat expired is a problem. I mean, there are certain things that you can, to be fair, but other mm. things you shouldn't really touch when they're expired. All yeah, right, my dear. I appreciate it. Yeah, but I, like I said, I don't know what they're going to do about the schools. But mm-hmm. they got how to shut them down to get this content. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, love. All Thank right, you. Appreciate son, it. Have a great weekend. You too. All yeah. right. I'm just asking that other person if they were actually trying to call on the show because they would call me via All WhatsApp. Right. So let's talk about... Thank you, Curtis. Um. So yeah, I mean, Brock, Brockers, get ready. They might have to shut the school down because there's no teachers left. Everybody's out sick with COVID. But listen now to this situation, a little bit of regional news. So poor Jamaica, 
Um, what a hot mess. Just last week, Thursday, they announced CBC, their version of CBC, announced that they were going to have um, paperless documentation now to enter the country. Well, I must tell you, this is so classic of Jamaica. I, I mean, I can't lie to you. When, when I saw this, I chuckled to myself and I said, that's Jamaica for you. <laughs> if they can figure out a scam and how to make money off the poor people of that country, somebody can do it. What a disgrace. Someone has figured, and this is really a shame, how to infiltrate and hack their paperless entry system just one weekend. I'm thinking, what kind of security did you guys have in place exactly? One week? Not even a month? Not even two weeks? Oh, my God. One week in. They have hacked into their system already and were charging people, unsuspected visitors, a fee to fill out a form that's actually free to fill out. Wow. Now, it's funny up to a point, but the more important concern, uh, less than a week actually, but the more important concern, folks, is if they can do that, how much of your information might actually be compromised? Because you're filling out, I mean, at least you need name, address, phone number. Do these hackers or scammers or whoever the heck they are now also have access to your personal details and your personal information? And you're going into Jamaica and it says, uh, where where do you live? And now they know where you live. And they're thinking, oh, you just came from Cayman Islands. You might have some money. You could be targeted by criminals. There is a much bigger area of concern around these types of data breaches. I'm shocked and disappointed. And the government of, the, of Jamaica, I mean, you know, they're not going to answer to me. But I mean, my God, how the hell? Did this even happen? Boy, thank God I'm not going there anytime soon to put my information in it. Hopefully by the time I have to travel again, they would have figured it out. But this this is the very criticism um, that people bring to the table when they talk about these sort of paperless systems. None of us don't mind going paperless. We don't mind having online banking. We don't mind these things. But for potential security risk. Is your information going to be compromised? And who are these people hacking into the system? So I really hope and pray that the um, Jamaican authorities, because this doesn't just impact Jamaica, folks. This is anyone going into Jamaica. So visitors now have their information compromised. Hmm? Right? What a mess. Um, it's just crazy. So, uh, mm-mm. I wouldn't want nobody to be having my information traveling overseas like that. That's a major security risk. Somebody says, please help us. We really need help. Do you think you can help us? Oh, Lord. These poor people. <sighs> um, what is this one? I think this is somebody not paying them or something. Oh, my gosh. You guys create so much work. So much work. Um, all right, let me call this woman. Let's how much time we let's call her. Let's make a phone call this morning. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, and y'all need to stop giving people your money who don't have no businesses and nothing to really give you work. So when they don't take out your permit, what do you think? Stop being a willing victim. 
That's the first thing. All right, let me call her and see what she's going to say for herself. Sorry, but the person you have called is unavailable. Please leave a message mm -hmm. after the tone. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see. Oh, Y'all have got to do better. You gotta help yourselves, folks. This now is becoming very, very serious. You can't sit down and allow people to hoodwink you and take your hard-earned money and think that, you know, that's all I would be doing on this program, unfortunately. So help yourself and don't deal with people who can crook you. Normally you can tell when you're about to get crook. These people not got no, they don't have no, they don't got nothing call any scruples about them. So um, do not allow them to hoodwink you. We got another one now. This lady don't want to give back the woman's deposit money. And because they know she's left for the Philippines, they think they're off the hook. Almost $1,700 of people hard on money. I tell you what, y'all not really easy not at all. Mm, mm, mm. Ridiculous. <sighs> I tell you. Mm. So anyway, um, be cautious, folks, if you're traveling. I'm hopeful, again, that the um, authorities will sort out this potential breach uh, very, very soon because, um, you know, it's, a, it's an area of, of grave concern for sure that your information is online and has been compromised. All right, so that scammer not um, picking up this morning. Um, Lavana says, I just filled mine out yesterday. Child, if you start to get any strange calls and stuff like that, you know what it's all about. And hopefully nobody was trying to charge you. Um, Miss Morna says, Sandy, one Jamaican told me that the devil don't want them in hell with him because they would, they would out his fire. Oh Lord have mercy. Oh, such a sad situation. Um, what about the beauty salon? Which beauty salon? Um, it's the same as online banking. It's no different. Well, I think really the difference is <laughs> online banking tends to have um, some serious protocols in place in terms of security. I can't believe a government agency uh, would... Oh, Lord, have mercy. Here, you know, Carrie Douglas has been arrested to face court on March the 17th. This is a GLP counselor. She was arrested and charged with assaulting and obstructing the police during an operation. Wow. What a hot mess. Um, no, I mean, I guess anything has the potential of being hacked if you really know what you're doing. But, you know... There are security protocols and stuff in place. There's two-factor authentication. There's a lot of things that you can put in place to um, ensure that the chances of breaches are minimized as much as possible. Uh, take, for example, um, CNB. You know, even now, I finally recently signed up for the notifications, like with my debit card, which I had all these years and hadn't signed up. So now the second I use my card, I mean, within two seconds, I get the notification on my phone to say your card has been used at this location for this amount. 
it allows you to keep tracking things a little bit better. So even in the event that there is a breach, at least you're quickly able to lock it down. And I can tell you, like I said, I have never seen a financial institution like CNB. They are on top, their fraud department. Oh my God. I don't know how many people work in that department, but they are on top of it. Every transaction, they look at patterns of behavior. If they see you using, you know, even, even the other day, they call me about an Amazon purchase. I'm like, honey, child, I'm always on Amazon. That shouldn't be unusual, but I can't remember. There was something about it that flagged them. And they were like, we want to make sure that this is you. And in the meantime, we've actually put a hold on your account because they know they don't fool around. So, you know, I can't say that I blame them, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, they put a hold on the account and boom. They said, until you get back to us, we will not be uh, releasing those funds. I said, okay, honey, chill. I'm quick on the email, though, so I respond back and said, yep, that's me. So have your two-factor turn on, have your notifications turn on, and those things will um, certainly help. Um, Shaka Zula says we need a second show on different uh, a different hour on that specific topic, consumer-related issues. We have to do it all the time. Shaka Zulu, I wish there was a way to say that we were done with it. We could have a conversation. We're done. It's something that we constantly return to. Uh, people getting hoodwinked in every single facet of their lives, which is so incredibly unfortunate. Um, Magnum says, I won't be going back to Jamaica for another year, um, for another two years or so. Hopefully it's sorted out by, den- by then. Not letting my mother travel from there until then either. Okay. Scammer road code seems to be add your number to their phone books first. Their phone books first. Okay. Um... Okay. Uh, Shaka Zulu agreeing with the CNB. Um, Scotia Bank has had it in place for years. My cards have never been hit. And I've been at Scotia Bank for 17 years. Yeah, CNB has had it a while. I just hadn't I had it activated myself. But now that I have, um, it's very, very good. So um, let's briefly talk about Royal Bank of Canada. This customer reached out to us. You guys might remember. I think it was last week complaining about them taking out money, like the money's there for her mortgage. They're not paying it. They're late paying it. And then they're charging her the late fees. Well, guess what? She contacted SEMA, filed a complaint, and now Royal Bank is refunding her her money. A lot of people have reached out saying they also have had this exact same problem with different banks. The key point here, folks, is she stood up for herself and she spoke up. She went to SEMA. She filed an official complaint. And sometimes that is precisely what you have to do. Complain to the authorities. Let these banks or anybody know that they can't get away with misusing you and abusing you and taking your hard-earned money. And now they're refunding her money. So she set uh, the bar high for everybody. Good for her. Congratulations on complaining and actually getting some results. Folks, that's it. That's the show for this week. For today is Friday. Please have a safe and happy weekend. We'll see you guys on uh, uh, Monday morning. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 